1: Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy joining me on a Monday edition of Sports Call. We are here, we are live from Auburn, Alabama, across your radios, across the interwebs around the world on the Tiger.fm and on the Tiger Communications app. I am sitting in the host chair today in the bullpen day for Mr. Ryan Lavoie, who is making his way back from Tampa, Florida after he saw his Buccaneers get a win yesterday over the Tennessee Titans, and so he'll be back in the driver's seat tomorrow, but for now I am filling in today, and we've got a lot to talk about, folks. There's uh, been an eventful 48 hours uh, around the sport world uh you had a uh, well even going back to friday night you had an auburn basketball victory to talk about over southeast louisiana auburn football getting a big road win on the road at arkansas uh, a dominant road win on the road at arkansas and then just within the past 24 hours two scc head coaches have lost their jobs two scc head coach or two SEC schools are in a hunt for new head football coaches and uh i'll tell you what over also over the last 24 hours four four FBS coaches are four FBS schools are looking for new coaches. You've got the two SEC schools, if you don't know, Texas A&M and Mississippi State looking for new head coaches. Boise State parted ways with their current head football coach, and then earlier today, former Michigan head coach who has been the head coach at San Diego State, Brady Hoke, informed San Diego State that he's retiring at the end of the year. So they list of open FBS jobs now sits at six with uh, Northwestern and Michigan state still sitting as open positions. Don't know if those, uh, those positions will go to their interim coaches or not, but as of right now, six FBS jobs are open and it is still checks the notes, uh, two weeks until the end of the regular season of college football so it has been an eventful few days here in the sports world coming up on the show today we'll have some great content for you uh five at five coming up later on the show or best and worst of the weekend as well as a nightly tv guide and we'll talk all things auburn athletics as well as i said i'm brooks Childress. i had a great weekend brant and tom are joining me in the studio guys how are we doing
2: i'm doing great and uh yeah, it was a good. It was a good birthday weekend for me. Uh, my birthday being Friday, I did have to work, but I was able to uh, celebrate birthday on Thursday after the chili dinner. And and once again, I appreciate everybody uh, from Sports Call being out there Thursday uh, for our chili dinner, and it turned out great. I think we had around two hundred. Uh, it, it was short of two fifty that came through the door, but uh there was a
1: lot of people there when we we packed up yeah. and left right after the show.
2: Yeah. Um so uh, a little short of two fifty and I I think uh we raised just a little short of seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars, uh which is you know, for what we're doing is is really good. So excellent. So a great event and then uh celebrated afterwards uh with my birthday changing at midnight. Uh but then you know everything else after that was work. So uh but it was a good birthday weekend. Uh sports wise, man, Auburn I, I did not expect that. Um I Uh, so I, I had to explain this to somebody. I, I was predicting Auburn to lose that game.
1: Mm.
2: Now, the reason I was kind of predicting Auburn to lose that game is because that the season had gone wins loss wise, exactly how I had predicted that it was going to go. I mean, to a T had gone exactly how I predicted. And part of that was a predicted of Auburn to get beat by Arkansas. That's really the only reason I stuck with that, because really when you kind of look at the trajectory that the two teams were going on, Auburn was trajectory was up. Yeah, Arkansas was, oh my gosh, down. I still knew it was going to be tough for Auburn, I thought, to go into Fayetteville and get a win, but I felt a lot better about Auburn's chances than I did at the beginning of the year. Because mm. if you remember at the beginning of the year, Arkansas was supposed to be a contender. Yeah. They, I mean, they I, were supposed to be a legit contender in the West this year, and back, they have absolutely fallen on their faces.
1: I went back and looked at my SEC uh, preseason poll that we get to vote on going to SEC Media Days. I had them, I think, fourth or fifth in the West.
2: Right. So, uh, you know, that that's where that prediction was. So I But even though I felt Auburn's chances were a lot better than early in the season – I I would not have given you a blowout of that proportion at all, um, and that was fun. It, it's fun to have an Auburn game where, by the second half, you feel like you can just kind of sit back and enjoy the beatdown, and you're not just pacing the floor, uh, as our our good friend retired war damn Steve talks about having to go to the me- to the uh, medicine cabinet to get heart pills and things like that. You just felt like that Auburn had that one in control, really from the get go. Uh, I mean, it was fourteen to nothing before anybody could hardly break a sweat. It was twenty one to nothing before you could kind of really get into your seats. All that great. Um, it just, it just that one just was a, a beat down, and it just kept on becoming a beat down. And by the time you got to the second half, it looked like Arkansas just didn't want to be there. Um, that said. We'll see how long Sam Pittman has now that these two moves have been made. That That is a game that gets your coach fired. Uh, a beatdown at home against a team that is not a juggernaut of the conference by any stretch of the imagination right now. You do not get your teeth kicked in like that in your home field and watch your guys just basically give zero effort through the second half of that game. I went back and watched some film on that when Brian Batte scored his touchdown. There were literally dudes from Arkansas just walking. Hmm. They Like, making no effort to even get into the play to try to stop Brian Baptiste. I mean, there were literally dudes just walking. No care. I mean, by that point, they had checked out. They were done. That's the type of game that gets you fired. Um, Gene Chizik knows that very well because... There were some games like that in his last tenure where teams came into Jordan-Hare Stadium and just boat raced Auburn. So I fully expect Sam Pittman to be the next name, uh, the the other coaching carousel. Shocked that Jimbo Fisher and uh, Texas A&M went ahead and made that move with Jimbo Fisher. Uh, Very surprising. Mississippi State, not surprising. Uh, They were kind of put in an impossible situation to begin with. And they're just having to deal with it. But uh, the the A&M stuff surprised me. So uh, a lot of stuff going on uh, all over the college football world. And we haven't even hardly even touched the NFL. There's just so much going Mm -hmm. on in college football that it's hard to even really focus on anything with the NFL right now. I don't even think I've looked at my fantasy. I think I was getting (laughs) beat. But there's just so much stuff with college football right now that I'm just like, oh, there's NFL. Okay, cool.
1: (laughs) It kind of felt that way yesterday, does not yeah. it? Um, Brent? before we get to uh, your weekend, Tom, uh, I want to go back to, you know, you, we talked about the chili dinner. Yeah. It, it's been a success. Is there a way that folks can still donate to you guys, even if they didn't make it out to the chili dinner last week? Oh
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, any, anytime anybody wants to donate to that fire department, all you have to do is, is come up there to the station, and, I mean, we take checks or cash. And, I mean, there are people that do that. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are people that have just shown up with a check and they're like i just wanted to donate to the fire department and so we yeah we we take any sort of donation like that uh uh, and and even then it also doesn't even have to be money donation if you want if you know people bring food up there Mm -hmm. uh they see us all around and they bring food uh we have a lady that gives us our uh flag that goes on the flagpole every year there's a lady that donates an american flag when ours that's up there starts getting kind of faded and tattered Mm. she will bring us another flag and uh, so those are the kinds of things that mean a lot. You know, the chili dinner is a big thing. But, yeah, throughout the year, any sort of donations like that, we, <laughs> we are not going to turn it away.
1: Brant, your weekend.
3: My weekend was good. Like Tom said, I just watched a lot of football, uh, starting with Auburn versus Arkansas. Tom, you put it into words that you said that uh, Arkansas looked like they checked out in the second half. I thought that Arkansas looked checked out from junk. I didn't think they ever shou- I didn't think they ever showed up for this game. Honestly, it looks like to me and and I'm not saying this is what happened. I don't have anybody telling me this. This is just what my eyes saw. It honestly looked like Arkansas was told before the game that Sam Pittman was going to be fired after it. It, right. it looked like that kind of performance where they just they had no reason to be out there. They were not concerned with saving anybody's job. I, I, I think we all I, – I, there was some disagreement about what, who would win this game, but I think everybody who predicted it said that it would be close. We, we thought this was going to be no more than a 10-point game, something like that. Auburn went out there and, I mean, executed. They did what they had to do, and they played really well, and there, was, there were really good moments from Auburn in this game. But Arkansas just looked like they didn't care. They looked checked out from the start. And like Tom said, that's, that's the kind of team that you look like when you go out there – and your head coach is fired the next day. I'm honestly shocked that Sam Pittman still has a job at Arkansas. Yeah. I, I thought he would be gone by today. Um, but instead, uh, Zach Arnett and Jimbo Fisher are out. Um, and Tom, you it was kind of interesting. You said that you were surprised Jimbo was gone, but but kind of but not really ex- expecting Zach Arnett to be gone. I'm kind of the opposite. I thought mm-hmm. Zach Arnett would have a little grace given the situation that he took over. And more than that, I'm less surprised that Jimbo Fisher is gone because the reports coming out said that he, that, that decision was made on Thursday and they just executed it on Sunday. I, I, I am a firm believer that if you're going to fire somebody, then one game should not make that decision. So right. him beating Mississippi State very clearly did not change anybody's mind. But yeah, I, I think probably Texas A&M has a chance to be the most intriguing job opening uh, when when the season concludes, obviously we'll we'll have to see who fills that spot if another big time job comes open. Or uh, you know Texas A and M is going to swing for the fences, and there are a couple of names being floated out there as to who they'll get. But right now Auburn's offense is peaking; they are doing some different stuff with it. Hugh Freeze is obviously more involved, um, and New Mexico State should be a tune-up game. That's that's what everyone expects it to be. So. Uh, interesting week of football coming up. On the basketball side of things, I'm sure we'll get more into it as we go. You were favored by 24, I think. 24, 25. You end up winning by 15. That you can't be too upset with. What you can be upset with is the fact that you could not pull away, really, in the second half. Yeah. Uh, you outscored them by four in the second half. And Southeast Louisiana is not a bad team by any means, but they're certainly not as good as most of the teams you're going to face. It, this was just... This is a weird game, and, and again, it looks like defensively, Auburn basketball is going to struggle more than we're used to seeing.
1: Saturday, Auburn football, uh, getting, going back to football, Saturday Auburn football came into the game trailed, or not trailed, they were uh, the underdogs. Arkansas was favored by two and a half points at kickoff. That kickoff came at 3.01 p.m. from Fayetteville. Arkansas, over the next two hours and 58 minutes, This is how it went down. Peyton Thorne got the scoring started uh, shortly into the first period with a 12-yard rushing score to make it 7-0. Then Keontae Scott would return a punt, 74 yards for a touchdown to make it 14-0. And then shortly thereafter, it would be Rivaldo Fairweather catching an 11-yard touchdown pass from Peyton Thorne to make it 21-0. Arkansas would get on the board in the first quarter with a 39-yard field goal from their kicker, Little, to make it 21-3. Two scores in the second quarter would both come from Alex McPherson for the Tigers. 39-yard field and a 31-yard field would make it 27-3 at the half. Just dodged that 28-3 uh, score. Uh, then in the third quarter, Auburn would score twice again. Javarius Johnson would catch a 14-yard touchdown pass from Peyton Thorne to make it 34-3. And then Rivaldo Fairweather would get his second touchdown of the day, uh, on a patent 11-yard touchdown pass, his second 11-yard touchdown catch of the day from Peyton Thorne. Make it 41-3. to Brian Batee would run it in for seven yards out to make it 48-3, to also in the third quarter. And then in the fourth, the only score would be Arkansas, a 11-yard touchdown pass from their quarterback, their backup quarterback, Chriswell, to Tesla, or to Slay. Uh, 40- Tesla. Tesla. Tesla, like the car. Tesla. Tesla. Forty eight to ten was the final score in that one as Auburn took down the Arkansas Razorbacks on the road and uh punched their ticket to a bowl game. Yeah. So the Auburn Tigers will be playing some postseason football and we know that Q uh, Freeze has talked about the importance of getting to a bowl game in year one. And mainly the big importance is you get those extra bowl practices here coming up in the next uh, few uh, weeks.
2: I, I was telling this is just kind of the way that I watched the game. Uh, I just thought it was kind of funny. This is how like surprising everything was to me. Uh, I was in my kitchen cleaning dishes before I was going to leave to go and do some grocery shopping to cook dinner that night. I look over the clock; it's three. And I was like, "Okay, Auburn's kicking off right now." Finish cleaning dish the last couple little dishes. I get in there, turn the TV on, maybe three fifteen ish, something like that. And I see Arkansas's got the ball. And I was like, "Okay." And I look at the bottom. I'm like, "Wait, Auburn's already up seven to nothing." <laughs> I was like, what in the heck? And then they punt, and it returns for a touchdown. I'm just like, "Wait a minute, what is happening right now?" I was like, "This is this is not how this is supposed to be going." Oh, my gosh. Uh, and then it just kept on. But that's, that's how – it was just one thing after the other. Mm. Uh, Auburn played uh, about as flawless of a game as you could ask for. I mean, there's going to be some really very nitpicky negatives in there. Uh, I've got two in particular that are about – I mean, they it's about as nitpicky as you could probably uh, possibly imagine. But um, – and that was just fun to watch. Uh, so my my, my nitpicks, uh, Keontae Scott on the punt return, run it through the end zone, dude. You almost got caught because he, he led up and he didn't sprint it full out through the end zone, and he almost got tra- I mean, the guy dove and almost tripped him up when he should have just been sprinting through the back of the end zone. Uh, and then the other was similar now um, – who was it that had the, the fumble recovery? That picked up the fumble? Caleb Wooden. Caleb Wooden. Okay, is he just that slow, or was he just not running? <laughs> it looked like he was running. He running like, and ankled in knee deep water. I, I oh. was, was going to say molasses. It Come looked on, like Q. it looked like his legs were caught in molasses. Like you're you're an elite college football player and a safety. You're a defensive yeah. back,
3: and you're running like he looks like he was running a five-six out I'm, there. Like I'm just, just like, <laughs> But that's. I, but we, it's it's funny because Auburn won the game by a lot. But, but we, man, just go. I and, uh, I'm sure that he's hearing a lot about that today. Yeah.
2: Well, but it's, and that's and again, I'm nitpicking because I I have a very very hard time believing that that man is just that slow. <laughs> I I think. Mm-mm. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe he is. I just—I I don't know. I don't know. But. I just can't believe that that a, an athlete playing at a position like safety would be that slow. Um, and that's the only reason I nitpick on that is because once he got past Jefferson right there on the sideline, he made a little move and got Jefferson to miss. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if he just thought that. There's open field, and I'm just cruising. And then all of a sudden, these dudes came up behind him and tackled him. Because that's what it looked like to me. It just looked like he wasn't running full speed. Because, yeah. again, I have a hard time believing that dude is that slow. If he is, yikes. Because, I, I mean, that that looked like Tom Brady trying to run down the field.
3: <laughs> he got, he got you know, Hawks. The notorious, he got
2: Hawks for sure. The notorious speedster Tom Brady. That's right. Um, <laughs> man. But then, like I said, on the punt return, you almost get caught from behind because you let up. If those are the only two things that I can find bad about that game, then so be it. Everything else was about as perfect as you could probably ask for.
3: I I don't have as major of a problem that that you do, Tom. I do think that Scott let up a little bit, but he still scored the touchdown. So how how mad can you be? Uh, I don't know if Wooden was sandbagging or not, but he. Definitely a little slow, and that could be why we haven't seen him on the field much this year. True. Um, My my one major complaint is on the interception that Peyton Thorne threw. Mm, Yeah. One, can't stare a guy down like that. Two, I don't like the design of that play, and it's a play that Hugh Freeze ran a lot last year at Liberty and where you go either four or five wide and then have every receiver run five yards and stop. Uh, Auburn's run that a couple of times this year. It's been picked off twice. The last offensive play of the Georgia game, they tried to do that. It got picked off, and then they tried it again in this game. I think those are the only two times I remember it. But maybe it's because it's something that I've been looking for because I remember him running it last year at Liberty a ton. You got to get you got to get that out of your playbook. I don't have anything. I don't have any problem with a five yard stop route, but you can't run five five yard stop routes. It's not going to work. You you scrap it. Get it out of Mm. your playbook. There, just a couple of times this year I've seen interceptions from Peyton Thorne where I'm going, yeah, not a great throw. Why is that guy standing there, though? Like, why Why is... Right. why it, it's it, There's so little movement on plays like that, so no threat for your player to get open, and the quarterback just kind of has to throw it, and your receiver has to act like he's a basketball player boxing out for a rebound, and in football, the defender can go through you as long as he's getting to the football, and it's happened at least twice this year, maybe more than that, and I just don't know it. But... <clears throat> I, that that particular play design, I hate and I hated it when Liberty ran it last year and I hated it when it got intercepted against Georgia and I hate it again now. So just that, that that's got to go. But other than that, I think offense is clicking on all cylinders for sure. Um, I, I, I really, I am appreciative, since I've criticized, I can now appreciate uh, the the way that they have expanded the playbook over the last three or four weeks. It's very noticeable. It is very noticeable. And not just because the offense is playing better, they are doing different stuff to put the offense in better positions. And that's something that's been kind of a theme over the last couple of weeks.
2: Yeah. Uh with the interception, I mean there was a pass that he made uh before that that was almost intercepted, and in because I it was kind of one of those things he went to the well one too many times. Uh so I, I agree. I don't like that play and I and I feel like it's very, very dangerous, not just <clears throat> not just for the turnover, but what could potentially happen after that, just because of the isolated nature of it and things, it's like that. I don't, I don't like it. I, I cringe when I see it. Um. Uh. I, well, I lost my train of thought. I had something else I had, was going to say, and I just, yeah. Uh oh.
1: Well, I'll. I, say-
2: I, my my brain is functioning at the speed of cable, Caleb Wood and <laughs> running the football.
1: I'll say this: forty-eight to ten, Auburn wins on the road right at Arkansas on Saturday. 334 887 34 and locally toll free one triple 9 Tiger 9 is how you get on the orthopedic clinic phone line. We go to the phone line after this, and hopefully, Tom will have regained his thoughts after this quick break right here on Sports Call.
0: You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger
4: football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: It's Monday, and I'm hosting the show, which means I've got some superlatives. Yeehaw. Nobody, not everybody clap at one. Superlatives. Superlatives. Um, Auburn has scored 139 consecutive games, the second longest streak in school history. There's one. We got a lot to go through today, so I may give you two uh, per time. The Tigers have scored a touchdown on their opening drive in three consecutive games. That's big. Three games. Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas have scored a touchdown on their opening drives.
3: Most of the stats you give us on Mondays are worthless, but that is actually wow. something we can talk about. That think, is that is a legitimate, I important think, uh, thing. want
1: to thank Shelly Poe and the Auburn uh, communications staff for putting these stats together every single week after the games speaking of offensive things tom you found you found your thoughts on auburn's offense I,
2: yeah yeah and, and all it was was talking about uh I, I think one of the reasons that auburn has been able to find a lot of success now on offense and and kind of figured out that identity i guess mm. if you want to call it uh, and also the fact that they've just they've settled on peyton Thorne as the guy uh they know now that he is able to run, that he is a true running threat. And with that, they're able to run a lot of the true uh, option, a lot of the true read option type stuff that was really freeing him up on a lot of those plays to where, you know, for folks that don't understand the read option where you actually read the end. it, It is a play that can go one way or the other just depending on what that end does. If they crash down, then Thorne can keep it and go around the end. If he sits and waits, then you hand it to Hunter or whoever. And so you're literally reading that in. I felt like as the season got going, there was not a lot of that. At least it's not what it felt like. Yeah. It felt like they were more just pure designed handoffs or pure designed quarterback runs. Especially when Ashford was in, it felt like they were designed quarterback runs. Yeah. There was no read option with that. It was just fake a handoff and run against arkansas and you were seeing it before that a lot more of thorn reading that end and making those split second decisions on how he want to do it and he's doing a phenomenal job of it or he did a phenomenal job of it against arkansas uh which allowed uh the first touchdown run came off of that he read the end bite down and he went right around him and then truck to safety that came over on him uh several other big plays that, that allowed that to happen and then it's also allowing jarquez to do some things now yeah. because teams are realizing that thorn is an actual running threat and so they can't just sell out now and that's allowing things to open up for hunter and then ultimately that's going to allow things to open up in your passing game because once again you've got a running threat quarterback who is a true running threat and you know you've got one of the best running backs in the SEC when Hunter's in there. And so with that, defenses are not going to be able to come – they're not going to be able to just completely sell out on what is happening uh, up front with them because they, there's now so many moving parts. It is it is now that offense has kind of developed and expanded enough yeah. to where there's a lot of misdirection and moving parts and things like that It's opening up some of that passing game. So that's been what I was going through is, is the, the true RPO type stuff or the the read option Mm -hmm. type stuff starting to see a lot more of that uh come into play and it's working really really well
1: all of our sports call callers and guests join us on the orthopedic clinic phone line the orthopedic clinic has been serving the people of east alabama since 1971 and is your go-to center for orthopedic care Visit them online today at the orthopedic clinic, or the theorthoclinic.com for more information. Give us a call to join Sports Call today 334-887-341. Locally or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. The Orthopedic Clinic is the proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. We start things off today on this Monday by talking with
0: Matt from Tallassee. Matt
1: from Tallassee from Casita for Auburn. Matt, how are we doing on this Monday? War Eagle!
2: Oh, He's Eagle. excited. Hi, Tom. Hey, what's up? Where's your
5: girlfriend
2: at? At work. He's fired. All right. Hopefully she's not fired from her job. She's got to make money.
5: Well, you're supposed to bring her on a show, remember?
2: I'm trying to. She's at work. I I can't force her to
1: leave work.
5: Hey, Cam.
1: It's Brant today.
5: Hey, Brant. What's up?
1: Hey, Matt. How you doing, buddy? Fine. Hey,
5: hey, hey. Brooks, are yeah. you in keeping Tom straight
1: We're trying to. He, he's a handful sometimes.
5: Hey, where's my man, man? Uh, JJ and uh, Devon
1: They, uh, they, we, we're still trying to get them on the show. They, they're pretty busy these days. Yeah.
5: Hey, what do you guys like? First question. I want to say like it was a good game. Yeah. Against uh, against Arkansas, but um, I have to go for the dogs. So I'm going to go rough against Bama in the SEC Championship game because Georgia is going to turn Bama into elephant
1: meat, and Georgia's going to win it. Yeah, th- those two did lock up the SEC uh, w- East and West this past weekend, so they will meet in Atlanta here in a few weeks.
5: I got to go for a dog. Yeah. Hey, what do you guys like um, a couple of questions? First question, what do you guys think about the player that Auburn split from Florida? And then, um, who do you think would be the best coach for Texas a and for Michigan State? And what do you guys think about, do you think that we can beat New Mexico State and probably beat Alabama? Um, what do you guys think about those kind of questions?
3: Yeah, Jamonte Waller was committed to Florida, flipped to Auburn. Um, that's coming off the heels of Florida getting a kid in the uh, another five-star edge guy uh, in this class, LJ McCray, another guy that Auburn really wanted. So, both of th- so Auburn and Florida both in on both of those two guys and Auburn uh, taking the one that is now not going to Florida. So uh, a little bit of give and take between Auburn and Florida for two really good five-star edge players. I think that Waller is going to be a guy that comes in next year and and competes for playing time. That's a spot that Auburn's thin at. They're going to get thinner after this year because you've got a couple of guys running out of eligibility, but uh, I think Waller's a kid that comes in and and expects to play immediately. Uh, I expect Auburn to beat New Mexico State pretty handily. They've kind of handled their business and their paycheck games so far this year, Uh, and Iron Bowls in Jordan-Hare Stadium get weird, so there's always a possibility for that.
5: Well, like I said, like, uh, Brooks, I don't know if I told you, but I'm, I'm leaving on the 21st to go to Florida for Thanksgiving, and I won't be back to the 28th. So uh, I'm on try to go down there, and uh, for Thanksgiving, have some like deer uh, meat, some wings, go crazy, kind of like Cadillac does, and um, do an Auburn victory
1: dance with Auburn Beach, Alabama. Well, I hope you have a great time in the Thanksgiving.
5: Yeah, I will. Like uh my plane leaves on twenty first at nine fifteen, so I hope the traffic is not uh I'm flying out of Birmingham, so I hope the traffic's not real bad.
1: Yeah. I hope the tra- I hope, I hope you're able to get there in time. I'm sure y'all will uh y'all will get there early enough to get there uh get to the gate early. So uh,
5: yeah, another question for uh I'll start with you first, Brent. Who do you think is the best coach to uh for Texas AM and uh, and then you guys, uh, you can ask the person then Tom and Brooke can answer. And
3: who's also the best coach for the uh, Mississippi State? The best coach for Texas A&M. If I'm them, if I'm Ross Bjork, the AD at a and I'm the first call I'm making is to Lane Kiffin, and the second one is to Mario Cristobal. Or excuse me, not Mario Cristobal, uh, Dan Lanning uh, up at Oregon to see if he wants to come in. I, I think that... A&M offers resources that Kiffin does not have at Ole Miss. I think that that's a a spot where he would not have to recruit the portal as much. He likes the portal. I think he would resort more to high school recruiting if he had that if he had that ability. And A&M certainly has that ability. There's just so many resources at A&M, and I think Lane Kiffin could really become attracted to that. And Dan Lanning's an SEC guy. He's up at Oregon right now, but he's proving that he's a good head coach. Um, a, a lot of people seem to admire him and think that he's the next guy. So I think that that would be the second phone call I'd make. For uh, Mississippi State, I think that you can go a little bit experimental with them. I think Jamie Chadwell at, uh, at Liberty, uh, he's got them going really well. He was at Coastal Carolina the past couple of seasons, has a really fun offense, and now uh, has Liberty undefeated and ranked in the top 25. So he's a call I'd make for them. Also, Dan Mullen is one of the best coaches they've ever had, and he doesn't have a job coaching right now. He's he's on TV every week. So, if Dan Mullen wants to go back to Mississippi State and run that back, I, I think that's another guy they could go to.
5: Um, and Tom and Brett, what do you guys think? Do you guys think they'll probably go after the coach from like Duke or Oregon?
2: Uh, I I could so a And M is, is going to swing for the fences. I am I'm, I'm going to throw a name out there, and this is absolutely 100 percent completely ridiculous. But money talks. I don't expect this to happen in a million years. But if you've got the money to throw around, why not go and ask Kirby Smart if money is a thing, and if you're willing, you've already hey listen, you've already won two national titles, you might win a third. What else is there for you to achieve at Georgia? We will pay you an astronomical amount of money to come and do this at Texas A&M. Does he leave his alma mater to go to a and M? I highly doubt that. Uh, I think he's perfectly happy with what he's doing in Georgia, but A&M has the type of money that they will try to throw it out with something like that. that it costs, it costs it,
3: nothing to make that phone call, I guess.
2: It, it costs absolutely nothing to make that phone call. Hey,
5: you, partner, hey Tom, I'll let you answer let me throw you guys out of name, and you guys probably will say
2: no. I know Brook will say no, but how about
3: Harson? Hey, I, mean, I think I, I think I think Mississippi State could be a possibility. A and M's not going to pick up Brian Harson's phone. No,
2: no. I think, I, 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 think, think Boise, I
3: think Boise State might go back to him since, I, just, I, since they just fired Dan. Yeah, Apples. Boise
2: could potentially look at. It. I don't think anybody within the SEC Apples. is going to except a phone call from Brian Harson because coaches talk people talk around uh, you know the kind of the water cooler of SEC coaches and everything and I, I think I think word is out on who Brian Harson really is and I would be shocked if anybody even remotely thought that that would be a good idea to bring him back into the conference. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say this so a name a name that I think that you should watch out for. And I don't know necessarily about these two, but if Arkansas makes a move, I'm curious how much longer it's going to be before Rhett Lashley makes his way Mm. back into the conference. And it seems like Arkansas might be that perfect landing spot for him since he is – from arkansas i mean he's a gus malzahn protege i highly doubt that they're going to get gus malzahn i think that ship has sailed but if you can't get gus malzahn then maybe the next best thing is is his offensive protege in rhett lashley who is now the head coach at smu i i think that's the arkansas way that if Pittman goes now these others you know a&m is going to throw a whole bunch of money at a big name guy and mississippi state is going to try to pick up the crumbs and get who they can that's willing to come back
5: well here here's a question, I could say I was gonna get through to give an answer uh, an answer to the question. Hey, but here's the name for you guys that made it throw out, Now, I don't know this it happened for the Tex AM or in middle state. How about Savon Reed?
1: Uh, that would be a name he, he's a good recruiter for Auburn, but you know i, I think he's he's got to take a few more steps in the coaching world to you know get to a position coaching at some point here uh in the near future and uh and, and then he would start to get some of that buzz around him for uh, for any coaching jobs but okay.
5: the last two questions is just for all three of you guys all right you uh, first bro all right uh, If Sean Pitton doesn't win the last two games Okay. Okay. Last two games. Do you think they'll fire him and who will they get for Arkansas? And then the question is which think would be a better bowl for Auburn to go to and who do you think they'll play?
1: So Arkansas I you know I, that's an interesting job because Arkansas is one of those teams that can can have a really good season and with this the new 12 team playoff coming into effect here uh, if you if you can get a you know you can recruit to Arkansas and you can build them up you can make them a top 12 program. Uh, and for you know, uh, every few years, and get get them into those playoff world. Uh, I I don't know. I, I you know right now, Sam Pittman is still the head coach right there. I, I don't really want to throw out any names for that job until it's open because uh, I, you know as as of right now, he's still the head coach there. It, it felt like this could have been a game this past weekend where they fired him right after it, but he's still the head coach there. So uh, I I'll, I'll wait to uh, to give any sort of opinions on the uh, anybody that's going to be in a head coach somewhere. After they're done, uh, or after they've made that move. For the bowl game, uh, the one I saw today from Brett McMurphy of the uh, the Action Network. Was the Texas Bowl versus Oklahoma State, which I think could be a really interesting game. You saw Oklahoma State go and get their brakes blown off of them by Gus Malzahn on uh, UCF this this past weekend, uh, and and so I, I think that would be a really really interesting matchup for for bowl season. And you know Auburn, I don't know the last time Auburn's played played the played in the uh, the Texas Bowl. I don't know if they ever. I don't have. think they
2: have. I saw Texas Bowl against Kansas. That um, would be interesting,
1: too. That would also be interesting, too. Lance Leopold, yeah. a name that that's getting thrown out about yeah. some of these openings.
5: Well, I I, I, I was looking on my computer, and I don't think I saw this, but have you seen most of the bowls, like the Peach Bowl? I think it's like Wisconsin playing against Mississippi State or Texas A.M.
2: Well, de- definitely not Wisconsin. I, yeah. Wisco- is Wisconsin even bowl eligible right now? I don't know. I, I don't, don't think. think I that think up. Wisconsin's. I but think,
5: have, have someone like in the Peach Bowl and the Mississippi Bowl. Um, and stuff of that, but I think it's like I think it's like uh someone playing, someone's a baseball. I gotta look at it and stuff like that, but um, how many more years does Sammy Pittman have at
1: Arkansas? How many more years does he have there? Well if he yeah. does not get fired this year, I think next year's his, his axe year, but I, I would not be shocked I, I he's if he's done this if, year. Yeah, I would not be shocked if he's done at the end of this year.
5: And another question: What do you guys think about? Well, actually, these are basketball questions now. What do you guys think about the? Uh, actually, three. Like you, I saw US play women play against Duke women. Now I don't know who won that game, but uh, there. Are, and then, what do you guys think about the Auburn women going three and oh this year? And what do you think about the men playing against Notre Dame?
3: Yeah, uh, Auburn women over the weekend went up to New York and beat Rutgers. And that was a a big time New win. New, New Jersey, New Jersey. The okay. State okay. University of New Jersey. Okay, I, you're you're right. The Scarlet Knights of New Jersey in Rutgers. Yeah. Uh, so a big a big win from them. Uh, it's a Power Conference win. Um, Rutgers not known for really any of their athletics, I don't think. But wow. but still uh, still big to go to an away venue like that and get a win like they got. I. I'm a big fan of Johnny Harris. I haven't made, I haven't hidden that from anybody. I, I think that Auburn women's basketball is on the right track. And the fact that they're three and zero right now kind of speaks to that. Now they haven't played any of the major competition that they're going to have to face, uh, in the sec, but they're certainly looked to improve. Uh, the hope for this year is that they do make the NCAA tournament. Uh, the men playing Notre Dame, that's going to be a big time matchup. That's going to be a fun one. I expect Auburn to win it. Um, but I think it's going to be a fun game.
5: Yeah, then they then they still say then they play after another day and they still play another team that's uh I don't know how good they are and um and so, so but did you guys watch the US women play against Duke?
1: Did not did not catch that one.
5: I think there are some former college players on the US and and so, so but like uh what do you guys think – what do you guys know about the the men that after they play Notre Dame, the team they play after Notre Dame, what do you guys know
1: about them? Well, it'll either be Oklahoma State or St. Bonaventure, whoever wins that game. Those, those two so, will play it's on the Al- – S- it's, Al- it's,
5: Al- it's, Al- it's Oklahoma State.
1: Uh, we, we, that, well, they'll play each other. St. Bonaventure and Oklahoma State will play each other on Thursday, just like Auburn will play Notre Dame on Thursday. And then Auburn will play. If Auburn wins, they'll play the winner of that game. If they lose, they'll play the loser of that game. So both of those teams are pretty good. You've seen Oklahoma State uh, make the tournament here in the last few years. Kate Cunningham was a really, really good player for them a couple years back. Uh, obviously, he's been gone for a couple years, though. But uh, St. Bonaventure, also a team, a mid-major, that's always a threat to make the NCAA tournament. So Auburn's going to get tested these next two games, no matter who they play.
5: So, hey, what do
1: you guys think? Uh, I saw the NFL
5: fire their NFL coach. Huh? Who? What? <laughs> NFL? I think it, I I can't think who it was. I,
3: NFL, do, I, I don't, don't think, think anybody in yeah. the NFL got fired this week. I
1: know uh um the Las Vegas Raiders fired their coach a couple weeks ago, but it yeah. that's it, it, been a few weeks then, since then.
5: So how so how do you think like do you guys still probably think that uh Oh, by the way, do you got, are you guys going to when Auburn goes to Atlanta?
1: Are you guys going to any, that game? Uh, don't know yet. We we haven't we haven't checked our schedules yet for that one. We'll have to hey, uh, we we'll to see. Brother, me and my dad and
5: our
1: brother are going. Okay, we'll have to if, if any of us go up there, we'll have to uh, we'll have to see if we can see you. Yeah, and I like, uh, I was looking for
5: you guys at the uh, the women's game, and I and Brent, I didn't see you or
1: Cam. No, I don't think they went to the the women's game last week. Uh, they, they were kind of busy, but. Uh, they'll they'll try we'll we'll try to get some people out to the the women's games here soon. Matt, we got to wrap things up for the day. You want to go do, do the cheer? Um I I, I hit, I'll make a deal. Tom's
5: going to make a deal. If I do the cheer, got to bring his girlfriend to <laughs> so, show next Monday.
2: Well, unfortunately, I can't make that deal because she's at work. I can't force her to leave work to come to the studio, so uh, I'll see what she's doing, but I can't promise that because, like I said, she she's she's a working she's a working lady. It's hard for her to just get off work and come if to the you studio. Get her on
5: the show she, I'll let her ask me some
2: trivia questions. I got you. I'll see what I, I'll I'll see what she says, but like I said, she she works. She's at she's at work while we're on the show. But you
5: guys get to you guys get Day Day and probably get Cadillac and Devon and my man man Devon Reed on the show and probably get. Uh, He's free. I like to talk to
1: you. He's free. All right, well, well, we'll see what we can do.
5: Okay, you guys ready?
3: Yeah. Four, four, three, three
1: two,
3: two, one. one. Whoa! War Bo- eagle. eagle.
5: Hey. hey! Booyah!
1: Booyah! Dogs beat the tide.
5: They're gonna make elephant meat out of you. Go, dog. War
1: eagle. War eagle.
5: Hey, if you you guys hear from
1: Sean, he's fired. All right, we'll let him know.
5: Hey, has James asked any more questions?
1: He has not. We'll have to see if he he will have some in the future, though. We'll have to let you go today, Matt, though. We'll talk to you next week. All right, we tell him to behave now. We'll do it. That was Matt from Tallassee for Auburn from Casita joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We hit our next break when we come back quick touch on some more sports before our top of the hour break this is sports call on a monday
0: Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Monday edition of Sports Call rolls on here on this Monday, November the 13th, 2023. Two weeks left in the regular season of the college, regular college football season. That hurts to say. <laughs> that hurts to say. I mean, it's just, it's awful. We, yep. all, we wait, we wait, we wait, and then it gets here and it flies right on by. Auburn's 21 first quarter points were the most by the Tigers in the first quarter of an SEC game since scoring 21 against Mississippi State in 2017. Ties the Auburn best for most points first quarter points scored against Arkansas, which was also 21 in 2016. Do y'all remember that 2016 game?
3: I'm trying. to. It was a
1: hyped atmosphere. That it was, was, it was, that, was day,
3: that was the day. That was the day um, that Cam Petway ran through a man like legitimately he was in front of cam petway and then he didn't exist anymore and cam was standing in the end zone I, I, was uh, that uh, that was,
1: game i don't know I, 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 think for some reason,
3: i'm thinking it was well, uh, 2016,
1: 2016
3: was the cam petway sean white year right 2016
1: was at home auburn hosted it. texas at, or t- hosted arkansas it was espn six o'clock kick it was a big game. Both teams were ranked lower twenties. I remember Joe Testator was the the play call play my play man, and I don't know why I remember that because I was at, I was at the stadium. But they had the blimp going around the stadium, yeah. And Auburn came out and boat race. Yeah, I, for some for
2: some reason I, I'm thinking of Camp that way, and I'm thinking and it may be the run that you're talking about. Uh, he broke into the open field, and I I swear this is the one you might be talking about, Brent. But there because there was a play I always talk about where. He breaks into the open field. If he runs kind of just north and south and maybe veers a little to the right, he's going in the end zone. You watch his head turn. He sees safety, and he's like, I'm going to come run you over. <laughs> and he like turned his body and ran at the safety just to plow him over. He had plenty of other field he could have run to, but he literally locked I in, saw safety,
3: and is like, I'm coming to kill you right now. I found the play. I found the play I was talking about. Shout out to War Room Eagle on YouTube. If you've never seen him... Uh, He used to go through and upload every single play one by one of Auburn's offense, and then in another video he'd do Auburn's defense. He doesn't do it anymore, and it makes me sad, but his his cut-ups were legendary, and I found the play I was talking about. It is Cam Petway just – Looking a, looking a man in the eye and vaporizing him.
1: Here was the rushing for that game. And it's I know, a
3: minute 30 into that video, if you're curious.
1: I know that, you know, obviously Auburn played a football game this weekend, and you're you're some people out there are, why are you reminiscing? This I, I just want to bring up the rushing stats of this game. Cam Petway, 27 carries, 192 yards, two touchdowns. Eli Stove, three rushes, 94 yards, a touchdown. Cam Martin, seven rushes, 80 yards, a touchdown. Stanton Truitt... Eight yards, or eight rushes, 78 yards, two touchdowns. Sean White, four rushes, 61 yards, and a touchdown.
3: Eli Stove's run, that was the jet sweep on the first play of the game, wasn't it? Yeah. I think, if I'm remembering that correctly, would that, did those two things happen in the same game?
1: Seven touchdowns rushing for the Auburn Tigers that day, on that 2016 day. Stanton also had a receiving touchdown. He was the only one to have a receiving touchdown during the game. One reception 45, for 45 yards at a touchdown.
3: Stan It ended up at North Carolina, didn't he? I believe you're correct. Yeah, Auburn was ranked 21st. Arkansas was 17th. Eli Stove, 80 yards or 75 yards? 80, 72 yards. 73 yards on the first play of the game. Yep, And it just did not look back. God, that was a fun day. I was in attendance. Brett Bielma
1: coached Arkansas team. It was such a hyped game. It was, like I said, ES, Oh, that's 10, right, because he made
3: some comment about how, like, Auburn wasn't playing real American football or something yeah. like that, and then his team got and, sent to the Shadow Realm.
1: And yeah. Gus decided, hey, it's Arkansas. Here's seven rushing touchdowns. <laughs> Add a stanton Truett receiving touchdown on top of that, too.
3: One million to nothing.
1: But Auburn football on this past Saturday beat Arkansas 48-10 to 10 inside of Razorback Stadium. We'll talk more about that. We'll talk about some Auburn basketball and more in the second hour of the show as well as more of your phone calls 334-887-341 locally or toll free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 I'm Brooks Childress Tom Peavy Brant Daughtry joining me this afternoon in replace of Ryan LaVoy two more hours to go sports call right after this
0: And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. I'm Brooks Childress filling in today for Mr. Ryan LaVoy, as they call it, a bullpen day. I guess I deserve it because I was not on the show on Friday at all. I did have a good excuse, though. I I was working. Well, I was driving to work. On Friday, driving down to Gulf Shores with the Beauregard Hornets on Friday. By the way, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, joining me on this uh, Monday edition of Sports Call. Driving down there, we wrapped up the season for the Beauregard Hornets here on Tiger 95.9 on Friday night in the first round of the AHSAA playoffs. Fell to Gulf Shores. Gulf Shores is some real talent down there, folks. They're the number one team in Class 5A eh, this year for a reason. Uh, Ronnie Royal, a four-star commit to uh, NC State. Is the real deal. And you heard it here first for all you NC State fans <laughs> that are, are around the area. Uh, he's the real deal. I uh, want to thank Tim Sin, Rusty Henson, Bill May, Seth Fuller, Tucker Simmons for uh, taking care of things all year long with our football broadcasts of Beauregard High School football. You know, I talked about uh, on the other side of that break uh, how quick high, uh, college football season comes and goes. High school football season comes and goes real quick, too. Uh, it's just... It is here and here gone. Here uh, But want to thank those guys for once again carrying our broadcasts. want to thank them for allowing me to be out there with them each and every week uh, for for Beauregard broadcasts this year. And uh, looking forward to more Hornets football next year right here on our airwaves, Tiger 95.9. But we turn our attention now... In the high school ranks to basketball, Brant, you are tipping things off with Smith Station on Friday night as they visit Russell County over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. And of course, right here on Tiger 95.9 throughout the season, we're going to have select games from Beauregard High School basketball as well. So basketball season uh, for the high school ranks for us here on Broadcasting starting to get underway are you excited to uh to get back out there for some smith station hoops
3: oh very uh calling basketball is one of the most fun things i do i've said it before like basketball is not my favorite sport but calling basketball is Mm. so fun um because it just demands so much of you uh and and smith station basketball has been a lot of fun to call over the past couple of years Uh, they won the area in 21 uh last year i think they finished second Mm. i want to say uh, but, I mean, they're a really good basketball team. They've been a lot of fun to travel with and, and to watch, and we're going to do as many of those games as we possibly can. And, you know, Armand Ingersoll going into his second season as head coach after uh, Stephen Davis uh, was there for 11 years. He won the area and then took a job with uh, Lee County Schools. So he's out. In comes Armand Ingersoll, who was one of his assistants, and uh, he's done a pretty good job uh, in in filling those shoes. So definitely – Definitely looking forward to Friday for sure. Traveling up to Seal, and
1: of course, we want to remind you that the, even though we are transitioning to basketball here on our airways, there's still high school football going around. I want to shout out all the local teams that won on Friday night. Uh, you had and, and Thursday night too. Lee Scott Academy and Glenwood both won on Friday or on Thursday night, setting up an all league County state championship in the 3A classification of the AISA. Both of their last years in the AISA as they uh, move on up to the AHSAA next year. Uh, so congratulations to both those schools. Good luck on Thursday or Thursday or Friday. I don't remember which one it is. Uh, I think it may be Thursday that they play their state championship game though this week. Uh, Shout-out to Auburn High getting a big win on the road at Baker on Friday night. Shout-out to Central Phoenix City uh, win over Davidson. Both of those teams match up now. Our friends over at Lochapoca, also getting a big win uh, this past week so congratulations to them uh, also in our listening area Pike Road down the down the stretch a little bit toward Montgomery got a big win in our area Benjamin Russell got a big win uh, a lot of our area teams getting uh, wins in the first round of the playoffs uh, and so congratulations to all of them you can hear all about that Wednesday nights right here on Tiger Down 5.9 with the high school coaches show I have the honor of hosting that uh, we get to talk to a lot of uh, area high school coaches uh, we'll be live. Wednesday night, like I said, right here, 6 o'clock, Tiger 95.9, talking all things high school playoffs. And, of course, Friday nights, you can hear the AHSA Radio Network scoreboard show over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. Uh, 34 and locally toll free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 is how you get on the Aubur- the uh the orthopedic clinic phone line the orthopedic clinic has been serving the people of east alabama since 1971 is your go-to center for orthopedic care visit them online at the orthoclinic.com for more information we start off the second hour by going back to the orthopedic clinic phone line right now and it is
0: war damn steve
1: retired war damn steve joining us here on the orthopedic clinic phone line steve how are you doing on this monday
6: Good afternoon, guys. Thanks for taking my phone call. Captain Tom. Hello. PB, I'm glad you did as well as y'all did financially on your chili cookout there.
2: Oh, yeah. It was, a, it was an absolutely great uh, Thursday event, and we're looking forward to more of them.
6: Good. Glad to hear it. Brent, good to hear your voice again. So, guys, in the words of uh, the late James Brown with one of his biggest singles ever, uh, I feel good. There you and go. And I knew that I would. That's right. Uh Thank goodness I did not have to do very much uh, drinking, <laughs> uh, so that that uh, so that helped a lot. More on the celebratory uh,
1: side this weekend.
6: Yes, and I did I did very little use of my three uh, limited letter of vocabulary of get as you know what.
1: Yeah, yeah, there was not a lot of that. DJ James covered that portion for you really well.
6: Yeah, so guys, you know, risk of said, like a former former coach Gus now, I'm going to say it though the um, the, the the future looks a little much brighter now for our Alabama football team. Would you agree?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we all said it a little bit earlier, but I, I think you're starting to see this offensive playbook open up a little bit. They've really gotten, uh, they've, they've really thrown their trust behind Peyton Thorne here these last couple of weeks. And I think it started to show, uh, with, with being able to, to have more cohesiveness on that offensive side of the football. Uh, and you can really start to see where he wants to take this program. Uh, these next two weeks are going to be, uh, be pretty big. Uh, obviously you've, you've got a New Mexico state team coming in this weekend. That's, uh, going to play in a conference USA championship game in a few weeks. Uh, and so you can't get caught looking ahead with them. And then, of course, the the big one inside Jordan Hare Stadium in a couple weeks against the SEC West champions.
6: Yeah, and uh, I want to follow up with that about the. I mean, I did not expect this team to blow out uh, Arkansas by, by any stretch of imagination. And Brent, I want to follow with your comment about you know the the, the players Arkansas team looking like you know um, they really didn't care about being there. I would say that maybe a good good portion of the explanation for that might be to to Auburn's defense. Um, you know, I think when you keep the offense from making third downs, I think they were only one for 12 on the third downs. I remember correctly, weren't they?
1: Uh, we've got the stats right here in front of yeah, us. Yeah, one for 12.
6: Yep, you're right. Uh, when you do that, uh, in the words of uh, that coach on the other side of the, the state here, uh, he was known to say, "Go out there and make them not want to play you." Well, I think that's what our defense did to him, guys.
1: Yeah, they w- they had a Ron Roberts had a really really good game plan uh, this past Saturday, and they really you know they they took away uh, the KJ Jefferson's ability to escape the pocket and run. They they were in the backfield pressuring Jefferson all afternoon long.
6: I think the only way ramp- – I've remembered the steps from a 16 carries for 11 yards or something ridiculous like that.
1: Uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, 15 carries for uh, 50 yards. Yeah, uh, which is uh, incredulous. And I was so, you know, uh,
6: afraid that we we're going to come out in the second half and we do the, the, the stuff where, you know, you just play, you know, and keep the lead, you know, and don't play to lose, you know, just play conservative. But you didn't do that. That surprised me. What do you think, guys? I mean, we came out and scored 21 points.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the this, this Tigers team, they came out motivated. You saw that first drive. They marched it down the field, were able to get the score. And then the, what really helped them was that that punt return. That was the first time, and I, I'm sure, you know, watching the game, you saw the stats, Steve. But first time since, what, 2019, tw- uh, that they had a uh, punt return touchdown that was not uh, via the block.
6: And, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys have read it, but uh, I read the comments, uh, apparently, Jonathan Scott's, Shared with, uh, I guess, the press after the game, that he was told by a Freeze uh, before the game that either he was going to return a punt all the way, or we're going to at least return it uh, for enough yards for us to make a field goal. Did you uh, read those comments?
1: Yeah, I did. I, I did see that. He, he said it in the. Uh, uh, they said it in the post game uh, that that's what he said. Also, it was 2014. I, I misread the stat. It was 2014. The last time Auburn uh, had a punt return for a touchdown it was non-block.
6: Okay. So, uh, all in all, I'd say you know I give the the, the coaches an eight. Uh, they they finally came through, and on both sides of the uh, the offense and defense, uh, it, it was it was balanced.
1: Yeah, it was it was a very balanced performance. A really really good time, uh, fun time inside of uh, Razorback Stadium.
6: Now, speaking of coaches, uh, guys, uh, give me an over and under. You know, as uh, the Vegas insiders, uh, would have you know in Vegas uh, total over and under. Uh, how many coaches will be fired? They haven't already been fired.
1: In in the in the in, SEC, and, or yeah, just or the overall? SEC
6: overall. In the NFL and geez. and in, in in the college.
1: Oh, oh wow. man! Goodness. Um, I, think,
6: I believe, I'm waiting to hear Bill Belichick going.
1: Uh, yeah,
6: I, I, I think mean, that th- was a stinker. That was awful. That it, was god
1: awful. It was it was not great. Um, I
2: don't think they're firing Bill Belichick though. He
6: he may
1: he
2: may retire, but I don't think they're going to fire him.
1: There's some rumors that are floating around. The Boston Globe reported Why last week that it could Why do you be. Why think
6: you He's immune from being fired, Tom. I want to hear your. I,
2: don't, I mean i don't think he's immune from being fired i just i i uh, when a coach has done that much for for your team i i think that you've got to have a lot of reason to to fire him and i i think they just don't have the personnel that they need to and that's where they have to try to get into the draft and things like that so i mean he's not chose, immune. he's not the immune the have, from being fired
6: players. but who picks the players who Oh, uh, I thought he was supposed to be the guru. Well
2: I mean that's it's not all him. You have a general manager yeah, and you have Brady's an owner let's, let's Well up. you sure. have
6: an Tom owner Brady and you have good. Yeah. Tom Brady made him look really good. And now we know it wasn't and it's not Tom Bell, it's not Belichick, it was Tom Brady.
1: It was it, it was a little bit of both. I, I think we talked about this last week, uh, yeah, but, no. but it was it was a little bit of both. Uh, Tom Brady definitely carried uh, Belichick for a little while. Gronk, but
3: Gronk was there, Edelman it,
1: was there. I mean, they they had. They never really had good.
3: a bad defense either. Yeah, like, a, every every year that Tom Brady was there, they had a really good defense, and Tom Brady does not impact the defense at all. No, but you can
6: ask with other team uh, your defense
1: is like a supported part of that. Hey hey
3: Brooks, how good was you you know this a lot more than we do. How yeah. good was the Patriots defense in the Tom Brady years.
1: Uh, I mean, the defenses have always been good. Like the the Patriots' okay. defense have always have, have always been uh, the strong suit. That's Bill and Belichick. It, I was about has to to say, and and Bill strong. Belichick
3: Four, and Bill Belichick coaches. Which side of the ball? He,
1: he is the well, he, he's the, the the he is the general side. manager. He's the general manager. He's the head coach, but he also has has a history with defensive side of the ball. Yes. he
3: he coached Lawrence Taylor in New York. That's, it's, it's, that's okay. that, was right first, that was his first that was his first big we'll time leave,
6: job. We'll leave it that. What's your over and under predictions for? Well, Uh, continue uh, uh, firing.
1: There's already, what did I say? There's already six openings in the FBS right now. Um, I feel like there's probably some more coming on football. NFL side, I could, there's one, there's one head coach that's been fired in the NFL and and there may be a few more. You know, over under, I'll I'll set it at 16 between the two.
6: Okay. Uh, Nobody's mentioned anything about Mr. Bill Napier, is well, he not at risk? Uh,
2: well, okay, so I was just about to mention that. I I am not, I I am not willing to like try to think of over under like throughout all of college football and the NFL. I will say though, in the SEC, I think it's four. I I think uh, obviously you've got the two with uh, with Jimbo and Arnett. I think Pittman is probably at any moment, and then I also think Napier is probably going to be gone. Uh, I don't know that anybody in, else in the SEC makes a move to get rid of a coach, but I could see that those four being the ones uh, that change. Now, if you have other guys leave to go elsewhere, that's a whole different thing. But as far as, like, getting rid of a coach, firing a coach, I think four in the SEC is what's what will ultimately happen.
6: So you think? uh even if you have an atrocious season, that's expected if you're the coach of Vanderbilt.
2: Uh, what's it? How many? How many years has he been at Vanderbilt? This
1: is no. his third
3: third year. I third. think. I mean, they won five games last year, which is an accomplishment for Vanderbilt. Yeah, I, I well, it,
2: Vanderbilt's, it, one those, uh, Vanderbilt's one of those. Vanderbilt's one of those. They're always going to try to give whoever that is at least a little bit of time to. This get is things.
1: this is Clarkley's third year, Clark and he Lee. is nine and twenty-five overall at Vanderbilt yeah. in his third year. Yeah, Let's see, What were they, Won two games this year? Two and eight this year. They went two and ten his first year, and like Brant said, was yeah. five and seven and, and last know, year.
6: <laughs> you know what Vegas' is a, a total wins were for, for uh, Vanderbilt? What was, was that? Two and a half.
1: Mm. Well, he's right on track then.
6: Two and a half. Okay. Now, you guys did not mention this name, but for some reason, Phil Marshall thinks he might be mm-hmm. the next quarterback, the next uh, coach at A&M, and that person is, the previous A and M's defensive coordinator, Duke's Mike Elko. Your thoughts, guys?
3: I like Mike Elko a lot. I think he's a really good head coach. I think what he's done with Duke proves that he can be successful. Uh, he has not had a lot of time a as a head run. He has not had a lot of time as a head coach. I don't know how good he would be, but he is a guy that's been at A and M before. So I could see him making the. Fo- I could see him being the option if their first couple of calls say no.
6: Okay, but Brent, they got all the money in the world apparently. But I, I've decided, though, I've come to the conclusion that apparently being wealthy and being intelligent are not correlated. <laughs> but still, how's Mike Elko a home run hire? I,
3: I, I just said he wouldn't be my first choice. He's the guy I'm calling okay. if the guys like Lane Kiffin and Dan Lanning and guys like that that, that are big-time head coaches right now, if those guys say no, then I'm going to Mike Elko. He's not my first call, but I do think Mike Elko is a good coach.
6: Now, thanks for the comment. Tom, I'm with you. If I've got the darn money that supposedly is just, you know, it's monopoly money and apparently A and M, uh, go after Kirby Smart, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, why not? offer, offer him twenty million.
6: <laughs> <laughs> you know, why don't we just tell him, hey, you know, why don't you just go to him and just give him a blank check and right the amount write right down the amount it would take for you to leave uh you know Georgia right now, right?
3: Sure. If, if you it's, it's worth a shot. If it, you think yeah. you, if you if you have the money and A and M surely does then it's worth a shot. I don't. See, I don't see it working. No. But, I, but yeah, I mean, like like Tom and I were saying earlier, the phone call is free. So.
6: And I'd say everybody has a price.
3: Yeah, that's factual. Yeah.
6: Okay, now guys, explain this to me because I did not watch the game till the very end of, of the uh, the last five minutes of the basketball game because we talked about it with Ryan and everybody was pretty confident this is a no sweat game. Uh, we were 24 and a half point favorites, and I'm thinking, "Crap, we're only winning by ten or eleven points or thirteen points." So I turned it on. I said, "This is ridiculous. What happened, guys?"
3: Uh, uh, and... Auburn's bas- Auburn's defense did not play very well in the uh-huh. second half, and they couldn't keep him at arm's length. Uh, also, the offense just doesn't look nearly as good when Aiden Holloway is not out there. Uh, that's I'm sure that's oversimplifying it a lot, but that's what I saw.
6: Okay, I just, uh, I mean, I'm not asking a rhetorical question because I didn't watch the entire game. Man. I'm saying, well, how in the world, did they keep it, did they keep it this close against us?
3: I mean, it was 39-20, or excuse me, yeah, it was 39-28 at half. You're on pace to cut or to almost to hit about the spread at that point. The problem is, you you played really well offensively in the second half, but you gave up 43. Uh, I, I mean, that's that's what it is. You, the offense sputtered a little bit late in that game. Because they didn't have Aiden when they didn't have Aiden Holloway out there, and the defense just wasn't as good in the second half. I don't know what the reason for that is. Uh, You know, I I I don't know. That's just that is that is what happened. I don't know the why. I know what I saw. I think that there are some issues defensively with this Auburn team, and I think that's probably going to come back to hurt them if they don't get them fixed.
6: Well, the answer to that is this: a a a a kind of a, a I guess an inkling of what might and maybe will happen uh, going forward—that we play this forty or play down to our, our opponents or, or what? It well,
3: is I, a problem that Auburn has to get fixed if yeah. they want to be good.
2: The, the other—the other thing is, what are your expectations for this team?
3: I want twenty wins at least. Okay. I think Auburn's on track to be a twenty-one team at least. Sure. Um, you know, if if Make you're if you're tournament.
2: if you're expect if you're expecting to see a, a Final Four caliber team on the floor, you're just not going to see that. This team is is picked where they are for a reason. I mean, they're, they're not in the top 25. They're picked about middle of the pack in the SEC. That's kind of where people expect that might be what you see. I think they will be a little bit better than that. But, you know, I think this is a tournament team. I think they've got the talent to be a tournament team, but I don't think they have the talent to be an Elite Eight team or the talent to be definitely a Final Four team. There's going to be some struggles there. Uh, he, you know, Bruce is uh, he has definitely gotten some good guys, and he's gotten some guys in the transfer portal that you're hoping are going to help out. But I mean, this is not an elite basketball team by any stretch of the imagination.
6: Am I being realistic to hope for the Sweet Sixteen? No, no, I, no. I, I, I think I, this is, fine, this, yeah. could, this
3: is a this is a team that could make it to the Sweet Sixteen and. You know, Tom's saying it's not an Elite Eight talent team, but once you make it to the second weekend of the tournament, Anything anything's, can happen. anything's possible. Right. Um, but I, I think this is a team that can compete for a top four spot in the SEC, and this is a team that should make the NCAA tournament and should expect to make it to the Sweet 16. Okay. But it's not we'll a team that's ever going to be ranked, you know, five through one in the AP.
6: Sure, I get it. I get it. Okay. We'll go real quickly, guys. I know time's got running. Uh, in the other world of sports, um, well, stick with us real quickly with a football team. we got three, I think, um, they're very good recruits. One is a number 1 Juco safety, I believe, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. a big-time big time pickup for Auburn.
6: And uh, the, other, uh, the other one, uh, I think, it was a defensive lineman?
3: Uh, yeah, they had been it, you,
2: previously committed to Florida.
3: Yeah, you got the edge yeah. out of Florida. I'm looking up names right now. you got uh, Jamonte Waller out of Florida, Laquan Robinson's the safety that you were talking about, Steve, and Ryan Fun. Gia. I think is yeah. how you say his name yeah, from, uh, from the, at, tight end. the tight end, four-star tight end out of Georgia.
6: Okay, good guys. All right, and, on, and keep guys. your
2: eye on Cam, keep your eye on Cam Coleman. That that's, keep, that keep uh, yeah. your
3: eye on anybody committed to Texas A and M. I don't
6: I don't trust because I've been reading comments on two hundred and forty-seven sports that you know um, he's too much of a wishy-washy guy and you can't uh, really rely on him and his commitment. So I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to you know worry about that one. All right, guys, in the world of NFL. Uh, I didn't watch much of the game, but I watched the highlights. I said, there was some wacky stuff. Uh, did you see the fight that broke out at the end of the Pittsburgh Steelers game with the Green Bay Packers?
2: I didn't miss that. I, I, I wasn't watching that one.
6: Yeah, the interception, uh, it was three seconds left the game, and the quarterback for Green Bay was trying to throw a, a pass. He got intercepted by Steelers. The defensive guy runs off to the sidelines at the end of the game, and he was then assaulted by a Green Bay Packers uh, player, uh, into the bench. Silence, and then the uh, brawl broke out. So we'll see how many fires come from that one. And then, the Portland Falcons. Yeah. yeah. Tyler Murray, did it to him again, didn't he?
2: Yeah. The old Falcons defense coming through in the clutch.
6: <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I looked at that thing. And then how about the finale between the Jets and the uh, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, right? Yeah, a little yeah. some
1: excitement to finish
6: out your Sunday. And then, do we need to talk about the abysmal play of who, Mac Jones? We don't need to talk.
2: about uh, he's that. he's bad.
6: He was benched in the last two minutes of the game, and he asked him uh, after. They asked ask uh, Belichick why did he do it? He says, "I thought we needed a change. I thought we needed a change." That was the other statement of, of the uh, of the week. There, I love that one. I thought we needed a change. Yeah. And then to make matters worse, what has happened to the NFC South, guys?
3: It was supposed to be terrible coming into the year and it is terrible. Teams that were expected to be like halfway decent are underperforming.
6: Well, I'll tell you how bad they are cuz these reports has it down here. You know how bad they are? Here
3: yeah, are yes, Steve. I know exactly how bad they are. I pay attention to I mean, the NFC South. I'm a fan of the Falcons.
6: They're atrocious. The Saints have the best record, 5 and 5. Yeah. Yeah. The Bucs are 4 and 5, the Falcons 4 and 6 and the Panthers are 1 and 8.
1: It's not, yet, a, it's not it's not a good of those division.
6: Teams, one of those teams will be a wild card team, right?
1: Yeah, it's uh, well one one of them is going to win the division and is, is going to be in there as a division winner. So that means they'll they'll get to host a game. Um Oh the, my gosh. And it it's just like the 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 NFC East was a few years ago where you were looking at the the abysmal Cowboys, Giants, Eagles and and Commanders and you were looking at it and you were shaking your head and said, "Oh, somebody's going to have to win that division."
6: All right. Heisman guy's question: right. Do you see Bo Nix uh, competing and, and being uh, uh, sent to New York to
3: do yeah. it? Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. He's the odds-on favorite right, right now. I don't know if he'll is win it. it. I don't know if he's who I would choose, just because Jaden Daniels is insane.
2: Well, Jaden Daniels but, is insane, but I mean, uh, Penix at Washington is really yeah. good. The yeah, the kind of the kind of general thought that a lot of people are saying is whoever wins that uh, Pac-12 championship game quarter, that might be your that might because it's going to be Oregon and Washington again. Uh, and that might be your Heisman winner. Uh, I don't know. But Dan- Daniels is <laughs> Daniels
3: is really – With what he did against Florida, he's yeah. my pick right and I'll, now. And
1: I'll tell you what, he, I, I, this is not me saying I think he's going to win it or be a top three, but they're starting to get conversations that Jalen Milrow may get in an invite to to New York too. Say it
6: ain't so. They're, they're starting
1: There's to starting. those, he's, those he's conversations. Play, he's
3: playing really well. Jalen Milrow is a much better quarterback than he was at the beginning of the year. I don't think he ends up in New York. It,
1: but there there are, I, I just want to make it aware, there huh. are conversations starting to be had that people are starting to take notice to what Jalen Milrose has been doing in Alabama.
6: Okay, I don't want to hear more of that kind of talk from you, <laughs> Bucks. <okay>? Lastly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, uh, I did not know this, I saw it from BBC Sports. The Cricket World Cup Championship semifinals are starting uh, very soon. Uh, you know who's in that uh, semifinal? Uh, I competitions
1: could not tell you.
2: No, the only crickets I care I about I are what I use for fish bait.
6: Heck yeah. Me neither could I. But this India facing New Zealand right. and In, South Africa is taking on Australia.
1: Yeah. Sounds right. I, and, I, I and, will, and I will I will
6: say on, they take on they start on Wednesday, November the fifteenth.
2: All yeah. right. I I will say this um it, that uh, that cricket World Cup. Well, I have no interest in it, and I don't know very many people in the U.S. that have much interest in it, that is one of the top-watched sporting events yes. in, in the entire world ever uh, when it I mean, comes yeah, around.
6: This, this is a big deal.
2: Yeah, within the world, yes. Uh, yeah, the, the Cricket World Cup is, is like one of the most-watched sporting events in the entire world when it, when it rolls around.
6: Well, you can watch it on BBC's uh, sports website. All right. Uh, and finally, uh, I saw Miss. Uh, is it Rapino? Is that right? Yeah, Megan yeah, right. Rapino. Yeah, she had an unfortunate you know first thing. Of this the game, she had Achilles tendon uh, torn.
1: Yeah, her final game as a as a professional too.
6: And Gotham FC uh, beat her team. O L Ryan, is that right? Yep. Rain.
3: Rain. Oh was
6: yeah. no, Unfortunate to see her uh, go out like that. Yeah. Uh, so that's. That's all I've got, guys. Thank you for letting me ramble. And uh, I don't know if I made some sense, but, you know, who cares, right? So uh, with that said, uh, you guys have a safe afternoon and evening. And uh, thank you again for making uh, my time be enjoyable because I enjoy listening to your comments as well. So until tomorrow, guys, War Eagle.
1: War Eagle. That was retired Wardam Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Apparently, the Cricket World Cup is the number
2: 3 most watched Sporting event in the world, Tour de France is one. Ah, Tour de France. Three point five billion. The World Cup yeah. soccer, three point three billion, and annually two point. Or I guess not annually. Whenever they do it, two point six billion people tune in to watch the cricket World Cup. And, and you know, number three, we, summer Olympics are four, winter Olympics are five.
1: We don't have official numbers, but I like to think that's how many people are listening to this Monday edition of Sports Call, which uh,
3: right, uh, temper your expectations. Which will be right
1: back <laughs> right after this.
3: <laughs>
0: Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger
1: 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, also online the tiger.fm our free app as well the tiger communications app or you could be listening to us at the fact of the sports call podcast brought to you by coca-cola ever miss sports go live or just want to hear something again make sure you go find that podcast wherever you get your podcasts enjoy an ice cold coca-cola to go along with the hottest sports talk coca-cola taste the feeling we're about to start getting coca-cola christmas commercials back yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, re- those are always those are always fun the polar bears oh
2: I, i'm great. ready for any i i love christmas i i i just i'm i'm all for it
1: now you love christmas are you but do you temper i mean do you wait till after thanksgiving to start going into it or are you are you kind of drifting into that mode now? Uh, i i'm I, I once uh will you listen to christmas music on the radio before thanksgiving well no but i don't really
2: go along listening to christmas music anyway um i i think you know mine is kind of after that after my birthday hits Uh uh-huh then i'm kind of then i'm kind of more into christmas mode Uh, now you're
1: you're looking for the presents you're like i got these presents for my birthday and now we're going to
2: and it's not even that necessarily (laughs) it's just i i i feel like for for me once my birthday hits then it feels like now we're like into fall mm. like this is full on fall i see and now it's time to you know, start thinking about decorations and things like that okay now we always at the house in columbus uh when we would go to my parents house for thanksgiving that's we always decorate the tree and the house okay on thanksgiving but there's already things in my, in my brain like if i want to add something new or okay and then trying to plan a trip to callaway gardens with oh, yeah. uh, michelle yeah. so these are where I'm like kind of in Christmas mode. Okay, it's like we have passed birthday. I don't have to worry about that anymore, and I'm also past chili dinner because that's yeah. the other thing that occupies a lot of my time. It's like now, okay, Christmas.
1: Excellent. I I, I just need to put get, the
2: wreaths up on the fire station. I put I the lights up, but I that was for chili dinner. Now I got to put the wreaths up because it's <laughs>
1: Christmas. I can't get into Christmas mode until Thanksgiving. I
3: I am staunchly anti Christmas celebration until after Thanksgiving. When
1: when Santa now, the, Claus the
3: second, like November twenty fifth, I am all the way in.
1: When Santa Claus rolls down to to end the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade, that's when I can start that's fair focusing that's on fair Christmas. And and
2: as a kid, that's that was my one hundred percent well first of all when I would see the Tom Turkey thing yeah. in Macy's it's like, oh boy, here we go. And then gobble gobble. And then Santa Claus it's like it's Christmas time yeah. though
1: uh speaking of gifts uh auburn has forced a turnover in 19 straight games the longest streak since an 18 game string in 2007-2008 the school record is 33 straight games from 1997 to 1999
3: that's impressive i didn't i didn't know that that was the record i did know that auburn had forced a turnover in 19 straight games and that is that is impressive 19 straight
1: games the auburn defense has given the offense a little bit of a gift for this uh this tigers team and uh it is, uh, there's still a little ways to go before break that record, but, uh, that is very, very impressive. And Auburn getting that 48 to 10 win over Arkansas on Saturday back in, uh, Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville, oh. Sa- uh, Arkansas. Yeah. Uh,
2: several Auburn players receiving, uh, Players of the Week awards mm-hmm. through the week, but, uh, one, I, I had to go back and double-check these stats, but Jalen McLeod, the game that he had, Oh yeah. when these stats got posted, I had to go back. I was like, wait a minute, is that like season stat? Like, <laughs> like Seriously, when you hear this stat line of what he did against Arkansas, I literally had to go back and look at it. it was like, is this what he has done through the season, not yeah. just the game? Against Arkansas, nine tackles, three sacks, four tackles for loss, and a forced fumble. And that's why he's SEC Defensive Player of the Week.
3: Yeah. He has really come on. lord.
2: What a stat line
3: for one game. That is
2: incredible.
3: He's really come on the last couple of weeks and rightfully deserving of SEC Defensive Player of the Week. The other thing about Jalen McLeod to me – well, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, uh, yeah. Is that he's an impressive transfer? He is an impressive transfer and uh, who started out slow, and apparently he had an injury to start the year, Mm. which is fair. Uh, Injuries slow you down, especially I think his was a high ankle sprain, and that's going to slow down anybody. I don't care how good of a football player you are. But uh, the way that Arkansas's offensive line just got manhandled in this game was really impressive, and it's shocking to me that Sam Pittman has an O-line that bad. As a That's as a former true. offensive line coach, like he he's talked about how much importance he places on the offensive line. Their offensive line has been bad this I, year. I, I will
2: say this: yes, that offensive line was bad and they were getting beat. But uh, going back, I did I guess I did not realize until I watched a, a guy on YouTube like break down mm-hmm. the film with it. I didn't realize just how exotic Auburn gets on defense at oh, times. Oh yeah. Yes. It is absolutely. it is it is wild when yeah. you break that down and really watch how they confuse offensive linemen with these just these just exotic blitzes mm-hmm. coming from different spots and then uh, exotic stuff where you'll bring guys up and it looks like they're about to blitz and like one may Go back like he's not going to blitz, and then another one comes, or these guys go, and then they bring a blitz from a completely different side. Where the blitz is not supposed to come from there. Like when you look at it logically, you're like, all right, blitz is going to come here. These are the two guys. It's like, okay, they're not blitzing. They moved into coverage. Oh crap! This dude over here just blitzed. Where did he come from? Yeah, like that type of stuff is what Ron Roberts is doing. And so yes, while Arkansas's offensive line is just bad, and we're getting their butts kicked. Some of those exotic looks and moves that were just bringing guys into gaps. It, it was that was absolutely brilliant when you watch how they some of that gets broken down,
3: yeah, I, I think I've said this a couple of times this year, but the job that Ron Roberts has done with this defense is is one of the more impressive things that I've ever seen. yeah. um the, and and like Toms, I think it's the most intricate defense that Auburn has run maybe in my lifetime, at least since i since like I've known what to look at, which was I, I mean, <laughs> probably the Kevin Steele days. but, Everyone talked about how Kevin Steele's defense was not complicated. It was just really good, and he had really good players doing really good things.
2: Pin your ears back and get after it.
3: But this defense is very much complicated, and pressure can come from anywhere. And like Tom said, going versus showing um, and everything that comes with that, it's really impressive what he's done for sure. 334-887-341,
1: 334 887 341 locally toll free 1 9 Tiger 9 is how you get on the orthopedic clinic phone line. We go back to that orthopedic clinic phone line now, and it is James from Montgomery. James joining us here on the orthopedic clinic phone line. James, how are you doing this afternoon?
4: I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. <laughs> Yeah, I know that you're all been talking about this Auburn-Arkansas game, and I did see the game, and it was really, really amazing. It shocked me to see Auburn actually come out with a big win on the road for the first time ever against Arkansas. And I'm hoping that Hugh Freeze will actually keep that momentum going for the last two games of our schedule, which I'm looking at. We play New Mexico State in Jordan Harris Stadium and then we play Alabama. So I'm looking at those two games as two big wins at home back to back as well. So I'm thinking that Hugh Freeze would actually, you know, get something done before this weekend's game and next weekend's game when we play the big one, which is the Iron Bowl as well.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely not Auburn's first ever win over or, over Arkansas, and, and uh, especially not on the road. Auburn's beaten them several times, but yeah, it's uh, it, hopefully Auburn can keep this momentum going against the tough New Mexico State team coming in this weekend, and then uh, mm-hmm. the, in two weeks against the Iron Bowl. You looking forward to those two games?
4: I am actually definitely looking forward to these two games as well, because this will be my first time ever seeing uh, Auburn playing against uh, New Mexico State. I've... Haven't seen Auburn play New Mexico State before, so this will be my first time actually uh, watching this game on TV. And then the Iron Bowl—I mean, this one is really going to be loud. It's going to be—it's uh, going to be a lot of energy with Auburn playing at home against Alabama. And everybody was saying, "Will Alabama make it to a national championship game this year?" Yes. And who will they play in the national championship game in Atlanta, Georgia? Georgia. And who's going to win the national championship? Kirby Smart. And why? Because Georgia is the top team in the SEC. I think that Georgia will beat Alabama this year.
1: Yeah, those two teams punching their way into the SEC championship coming up here in a few weeks. And so we'll see Well, how those two teams finish out their year. And, uh... And uh, we'll see how they play in that game. And then Auburn, you know, playing you mentioned playing New Mexico State. First time you're going to watch them play New Mexico mm-hmm. State. They've played uh, – Auburn's played New Mexico State three times before. This is going to be the fourth time they've ever played New Mexico State. They're Auburn's 3-0 against the Aggies. The last meeting coming in 2012, Auburn beat New Mexico State 42-7 to inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. All three matchups also coming inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. So this will be the fourth time Auburn's played New Mexico State all time.
4: Yes, as well, because these are the last two games of the season, and this is really um, really a good test to see Auburn actually making it to a bowl game, which we will. I'm just going to say that we're going to make it to a bowl game, and if we make it to a bowl game, do you know who Auburn is going to play in a bowl game?
1: Uh, I, I don't know yet, but uh, there's different predictions mm-hmm. out there. I, I mentioned earlier the the one I saw earlier today is Auburn in the Texas Bowl against Oklahoma State.
2: Yeah, I saw Texas mm-hmm. Bowl against Kansas, but I've also seen potential
1: of the Gator Bowl against Georgia Tech. Yeah, I've seen <laughs> uh, the last couple weeks. I've seen the Duke's Mayo Bowl against Clemson. You've seen the mm-hmm. Music City Bowl against Wisconsin. Uh, there there's a there's several different there's several different scenarios rolling around. Yeah. Obviously, at the beginning of the year that Gasparilla Bowl was also in the in the picture too against a team like you. SF or U.C.F.
4: Yes, because I'm actually going to uh, with all these different uh, games that are being um, played around. Um, I'll actually take um, I'll take a huge gamble at this one, and I'll probably see. Auburn and Georgia Tech actually play in in a big bowl game as well because with this game uh, with Auburn and Georgia Tech, I mean it, it's so much history between Auburn and Georgia uh, Georgia Tech. I mean, you know, you can look at uh, YouTube videos of uh, Auburn actually playing against Georgia Tech in the uh, Rec Tech game in uh, Jordan Hare Stadium. Um, that that was one of the one of the iconic. Moment as well, and um, you know that I, I think in the near future I'll probably see Auburn and Georgia Georgia Tech actually playing in Jordan Hare Stadium in the near future as well.
1: Yeah, that'd be a fun matchup if they uh, were able to get together with Georgia Tech. What else is on your mind today, James?
4: Well, I'm actually going to be looking at some college basketball games because you know the college basketball season is here as yeah. well. And I'm looking at how Auburn is really looking good. They look like a good team. Um, I've watched them uh, their first couple of games. But I think with Bruce Pearl, I know he's going to, you know, get these guys ready for next week, when uh, this coming up week, when we play against Notre Dame. I was watching over the weekend. I was looking at Notre Dame, and I don't, think notre dame is going to actually play a strong sec team like auburn as well so i think auburn will win this one as well
1: yeah the tigers one and one to their first two games beat southeast louisiana on friday night and their next big test is in brooklyn on thursday against notre dame so should be a really really fun game uh to to check out both of those programs where they are at this point in the season well she got for us today
4: Well, I'm so happy to see, uh, Coach Harris actually win their first game against Rutgers. That was the very, uh, good game that I was looking at. I was looking at highlights and, uh, seeing, uh, Casey, uh, make um, if I'm saying her last name right, I'm hoping she won't be mad at me. <laughs> but anyway, um, I mean, she was doing really good. I, I mean, you all can bring her on the show, and I can actually, you know, tell her myself, because, you know, I mean, she's a really nice... uh you know, a nice player for Auburn, and I'll probably see her play in the WNBA as well, and maybe see what teams that she might have her heart set on in the near future in her career as well.
1: Yeah, Johnny Harrison. Those Tigers are three and O actually. They they've won three games so far this year. They're, uh, they they beat Louisiana and they beat uh, Rutgers, like you said yesterday. So three and on the year. Really really good start for the Tigers. And uh, yeah, they, they they've got some talented players this year. So it, it's really exciting to watch them this year. What else you got for us today, James?
4: Well, I'm actually going to be watching Monday Night Football and uh, seeing some of these great uh, two teams that are actually playing the New York, uh, the the Denver Broncos and the Buffalo Bills, and I'm I'm actually looking at the Buffalo Bills actually making it like a Super Bowl contender, but that will be for tomorrow's show. You know, to actually make my Super Bowl predictions on some of the games as well, but I will have to see how the Buffalo Bills will test uh, their strengths against uh, against uh, uh, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos tonight as well. And I do have the Buffalo Bills winning a big game tonight at home so right. it's going to be a really good game as well so i'll probably say this one for monday night football the prediction will be buffalo 49 denver 20
1: okay well we look forward to getting your super bowl prediction on tomorrow's show then and did you uh, enjoy watching your cowboys yesterday
4: i am very intrigued for my dallas cowboys i've uh you know, I'm I'm very, very, uh, you know, very happy that Dak Prescott actually made a huge, huge comeback and a huge turnaround on Sunday night against the New York Giants. I thought it was going to be a blowout right there, and it was like 49 to nothing. But the Giants came back, and I might see how my Cowboys would do this Sunday as well because we actually, I'm actually with me as being a Cowboys fan and JJ being a, a Carolina Panthers fan I know this is going to you know it's going to make him not feel like we are not good friends but we are but I'm just going to say my Cowboys would beat uh the Carolina Panthers and it will be a, it will be a good game as well between friends.
1: Well I, I you better uh I hope to see some trash talking on Twitter if if your Cowboys beat his uh his Panthers this weekend then
4: yeah, so I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, give give him a little benefit of the doubt as well because he's like a good friend of, of yeah. the show and a good friend to me as well. So it's gonna be really, you know, more of the friend um, rivalry sure. between us as well.
1: Sure. You got anything else before we have to let you go today, James? Well, I'm actually gonna be looking
4: at the first time in Formula One history. I'm gonna be watching the Formula One race. From the greatest entertainment capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, I am very excited for this. It's going to be my first time ever seeing this, and it's it's something amazing to see uh, Formula One actually putting this uh, track uh, this uh, race. Uh, in the schedule this year.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a really, really fun race here when they get to, uh, to race in Las Vegas on that little street course they're, they're building out there. Well, James, we got to let you go here. But you got any, uh, anything else you want to say before we let you go?
4: Well, I actually have a great Netflix movie that everybody should watch. Okay. It's a brand new movie that's called Resident Evil Dead. Death Island is one of the best movies out. It's uh, the third chapter of the Resident Evil saga, so it's really good, and it's a really good watch as well.
1: Resident Evil, Death Island, is that what you said?
4: Yes, wow. it's, uh, it's a new um, it's a new chapter to the uh, Resident Evil um, chapter, and it's very very uh, interesting as well.
1: Well, all right, ah, uh, we'll we'll have to uh, write that one down and see if ah uh, to take a look at it. Well, James, thank you so much for giving us a call. You want any trivia tomorrow?
4: Um, I sure do want trivia tomorrow. I'll probably take Auburn and New Mexico State trivia as well. War Eagle.
1: War Eagle, Auburn, and New Mexico State trivia. We'll talk to you then. All right. All right, War Eagle. War Eagle. That was James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Resident Evil Death Island. Brand, is that up your, your viewing alley?
3: I, I'm semi-familiar with the Resident Evil video games. I, I am not someone who's ever watched the movies, uh-huh. but there are a few movies. Would some you, of them are good. Some of them are bad. Would you be interested? I, I have Netflix. I'll look it up. All right. I'll look for it. All right. Tom? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is going to take
1: us to the end of the third hour, of the, or the second hour of this program. We'll reset. Uh, Brant's got the giggles now, so we'll, oh, we'll reset. So was good. We'll reset and, uh, and come back for one more hour. When we come back, we'll look around the SEC, talk a little coaching searches in two of the SEC schools as well. And, of course, best and worst of the weekend coming up on the other side of this break. I'm Brooke shoulders Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy, on this Monday edition of Sports Call. We'll be right back right after this.
0: Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started.
1: Third and final hour on this Monday of Sports Call, starting right now, I'm Brooks Childress. Bullpen day for Ryan Lavoie as he makes his way back from Tampa, Florida. Tom Peavy, Brant Dodger, joining me here in studio today. We've had a great show for you. If you missed any of it, make sure you go back and listen to it on our podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. We've talked Auburn football. We've talked a little Auburn basketball. We've touched on the NFL a little bit with some of our callers. Want to thank all of our callers so far. If you want to give us a call in this final hour, 334-887-341-Locally toll free one 1-88-9-Tiger9. And so you get on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line as we start our number three here, the five o'clock hour. I uh, want to welcome everybody into the show that may be getting into their cars, leaving work, uh, driving home. I want to thank you for making us part of your Monday. As we move on here, we start things out with our Sports Call 5 at 5, as we do each and every day. Brought to our friends over at Southeastern Land Group. Sa- uh, land is a sound financial decision. Visit them online at selandgroup.com for more information. Uh, our Our stats today... Uh, I've been reading off some of these uh, positive game notes from the Auburn communications department. I want to thank uh, S.I.D. Shelly Poe as well as the rest of the communications staffs for putting these together each and every week. We're going to go to the defensive side and special teams ball, uh, side of the ball for the today's stats. We'll start out with number one. Uh, number one, he mentioned this guy's name a little bit earlier, but Jalen McLeod, he had thir- three sacks on Saturday, which are the most by an Auburn player since Derek Hall had three versus Alabama in 2021. Also, his nine tackles are a game high for Jalen McCloud at Auburn. So, Jalen McCloud, big day on the defensive side of the ball for the Tigers, doing something that hasn't been done since Derek Hall in 2021. 20, Moving on.
0: Number two.
1: Number two, Marcus Harris uh, tallied his sixth and a half sack for the season and his tenth for his Auburn career. So, uh, Marcus Harris making his presence known on Saturday.
0: Number 3. Number
1: 3, Caleb Wooden's 74-yard fumble return was the longest by an Auburn player since Big Cat Bryant returned 183 yards versus Oregon in 2019.
3: I remember that. I forgot about that.
1: Big Cat Bryant. So uh, a couple Auburn Tigers making uh make uh, doing something that hasn't been done in a couple years for the Tigers on Saturday moving to special teams now. Number 4. Number 4, Keontae Scott's 74-yard punt return for a touchdown was the first of his career. It's also Auburn's first punt return touchdown. What well, came coming coming off a non blocked punt since Quan Bray did it versus Louisiana Tech in 2014 of 76 yards, and the first by an Auburn player versus an SEC opponent since Chris Davis did it in 2023 or no not 202013 uh, against Tennessee, which went for 85 yards. So Keontae Scott writing his name into that uh, list with them, and then
0: number five,
1: number five, Lou Groza Award semifinalist Alex McPherson uh, made 17 consecutive field goal has made 17 consecutive field goals, breaking Daniel Carlson's Auburn record of 16 consecutive made. He also 35 of 35 on PATs this season and 44 of 44 for his career has not missed a PAT and has broken Daniel Carlson's record for most consecutive field goals made. That is your Sports Call 5 at 5. Defensive stats from Saturday, as well as some special teams stats for the Auburn Tigers. Big day all around for this Auburn team. We'll continue with some more. I'll throw some more of those in as we go along here. As we move on here, though, uh, through the program, let's uh, do as we do every single Monday. Uh, We take a look around the rest of the SEC. Things that happened around the rest of the Southeastern Conference this weekend. We'll start things off where game day was on Saturday up in Athens, Georgia. As the defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs remained undefeated, ten 0 on the year, seven and 0 in the SEC, clinched a spot in the SEC East uh, in the SEC title game as champions of the SEC East, fifty-two to seventeen. was over number nine Ole Miss. Carson Beck, three hundred six yards passing, two touchdowns. He did throw an interception. Uh, Milton rushed for nine carries, 127 yards, two touchdowns. And Ladd McConkie had four receptions, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Brock Bowers also made his return for the Dogs on Saturday. But Georgia rumbling all over a top-10 Ole Miss team on Saturday.
3: Yeah, I said Georgia by 10, I think. That was uh, evidently wishful thinking. Um, Yeah, Georgia's really good. Ole Miss just – I don't think they're ever going to get over that hump. I think Lane Kiffin can. I don't think Ole Miss can. I think that Ole Miss's ceiling will forever be a nine or ten win team. I don't think, I, 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 at this point, I don't think that Ole Miss is ever going to be a team that truly competes with the top of the conference. And I don't know. I, they're they're just, they're always going to be second best. Yep. Yeah. Which
2: is why I would think a name like Lane Kiffin would be uh, a, a name that you could see for Texas A and M. Absolutely. He – Lane Kiffin – and that's that's why there was the flirtations with the Auburn job that, that, you know, didn't happen and things like that. Lane Kiffin wants to be somewhere where he can legit win a national title. I think he understands that he is limited at Ole Miss to what their ceiling is. Uh, Their their recruiting can only go so much there. Their money, NIL, facilities are only going to go so far at Ole Miss. And if he wants to win a title, it's not going to be there he's going to have to go somewhere like Texas A&M to, to get that done. So um,
3: he, he would be it, the first call I'd make if I was them, honestly.
1: Yeah. Uh, moving on, the 11 a.m. slot featured a number 8 Alabama remaining undefeated in the SEC, clinching a spot in the SEC title game as well, the champions of the SEC West. In the final year, by the way, I, I forgot to mention this, Georgia and Alabama, the final two SEC East and West champions, as they go away from divisions starting next year in the SEC. Forty-nine to twenty-one, Alabama over the Kentucky Wildcats. Jalen Milrow, two hundred thirty-four yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. uh, uh, printance, uh is it? Yeah, it's printance, uh for Alabama. Four receptions, seventy-four yards, and a touchdown. And then uh, Jefferson, the running back out of Kentucky, was leading rusher on the day, two carries for 73 yards. But Alabama continues to roll as they uh, they pick, they're picking up momentum heading toward that title game.
3: Yeah, um, I expected, I think we all expected Alabama to win this one pretty easily. But uh, definitely there, there was never really any challenge from Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky is just kind of overmatched right now. Kentucky wants to out-physical you. And when you have the players that Alabama has, it's tough to out-physical them. Uh, Kentucky with just not a great year, but you know, is Mark Stoops going to leave? I mean, is are they going to fire Mark Stoops? Who's going to go to Kentucky if they fire Mark Stoops? So I, I don't see anything drastic changing from them. Um, yeah, uh, Jalen Milrow, like I said earlier, looks significantly better than he did at the start of the season, and I fully expect that. I I don't know. I think Georgia will win the SEC title game, but. I think the fact that Jalen Milroe is playing as well as he is means that it's not going to be easy for Georgia.
1: Uh, battle in the SEC East between two top 15 teams was not close. Missouri taking it to Tennessee, yeah. 36-7. Uh, Brandon Cook, 275 yards and a touchdown is also an interception. Schrader has uh, been the top running back in the conference this year, 35 carries, 205 yards and a touchdown. He also had five receptions for 116 yards. Missouri. They, they, uh, they took it to the Vols this weekend, and now, they, now Tennessee's reeling and has to go play a Georgia team this weekend.
3: Firmly the second-best team in the East. Uh, I think that Missouri is, I mean, just weirdly, had a very good season. Um, and it's interesting that Eli Drinkwitz was able to piece this together after I thought he was going to be fired last year. Uh, but certainly Missouri, a really good team, and they absolutely took Tennessee to the woodshed.
1: Closest game on Saturday night, or on Saturday in the Southeastern Conference, came Saturday night in Baton Rouge in what is usually a pretty big rivalry matchup in terms of when, when you're looking at postseason play this year. Not as much LSU. It seems like there are uh, you know a few rungs above uh, Florida, but Florida gave it their all. 52 to 35 was the final. Number 19 LSU took down the Gators. Jaden Daniels. 372 yards and three touchdowns. Also carried the ball 12 times, 234 yards and two touchdowns there. Thomas, the wide receiver for uh, LSU, six receptions, 150 yards and two touchdowns. The LSU Tigers getting a big win at home, big rivalry. And this is a, this is one of those games that you don't know if it's going to uh, survive being played every single year once you get to the uh, the SEC, whatever the new conference schedule looks like.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I've been c- – kind of hesitant to hop on the Jaden Daniels Heisman train I know that there are a couple people I know Ryan is a big proponent of Jaden Daniels for the Heisman trophy I was kind of iffy on it I still think what Bo Nix has done um, at at Oregon has just been incredible completing uh, like 80% of his passes that's an unheard of number but uh, after what Jaden Daniels did to Florida over the weekend it's tough for me to say anybody else I mean the man set legitimate history um things that had never been done before in a game things that have never been done before in a season um lsu is not the best team ever but their offense completely revolves around that kid and he's just been amazing for them all year
1: moving on to the sec east the battle between two teams that are fighting toward the bottom of that division uh South Carolina took it to Vandy, 47-6. Spencer Rattler, 351 yards passing, three touchdowns and an interception. Anderson, their running back for South Carolina. Nine carries, 102 yards and a touchdown. And LeJet, their wide receiver, nine receptions, 120 yards. South Carolina uh, fights off uh, getting eliminated from bowl play uh, with a 47-6 to win over Vandy this
3: past weekend. Nothing. Yeah, I, uh, I got nothing for that one. Nah.
1: And then finally, the That's game. Who
3: I did not. I did not watch that game.
1: Finally, it was on at the, uh, at the eleven o'clock hour, so not not shocked that not a lot of people yeah. uh, took it in. And then finally, Texas A&M punched their ticket to a bowl game, and they also fired a coach. Fifty-one to ten, that dominated the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Henderson, the quarterback for it, Texas A&M, one hundred fifty yards and two touchdowns. Uh, big. So it w- we'll you know. Let, let's not talk about. We've we've talked about it all all day long. Let's not talk about the game because fifty one to ten, pretty dominant from Texas A and M. Again, all ever all games this this past weekend, pretty much blowouts in the SEC. Besides that uh, LSU Florida game, uh, and then it got out of hand a little bit late for the Gators. But when you look at this, let, let me go through both of you guys. I know we we've, we've talked some names already, but this game featured two coaches that in turn got fired. 40 24 48 hours after the game was over 24 36 hours after the game was over when you look at both of these i know we're still early i know it's you know you're you're not going to get a, a head coach name there till probably early to mid-december but give me let's say both of you guys give me two names that you think would be a good fit at both of these schools
3: uh lane kiffin and dan lanning for texas a&m yeah. those are my first two calls um and if they say no what well, i and you know, i'm throwing i'm
2: staying the kirby smart thing too i don't think that's right. gonna happen but you have to make that call
3: yeah absolutely see see if pay see how much money you can get together to pay kirby smart to make him at least give half a second of thought to it um for mississippi state I think it would be really fun to see Jamie Chadwell in the SEC just to see if it works. They, they it's, It would be like doing the Mike Leach thing. You're just getting a younger guy who's not quite as much of a character, but a guy with a very unique offense who has had some success at smaller levels of football, um, is, seems to be liked by everybody, and every time he leaves somewhere, that place kind of falls off a cliff. Uh, don't check what Coastal Carolina's been doing so far this year. but. Yeah, I think Jamie Chadwell would be really, really fun for Mississippi State. I've seen some people throwing out Dion Sanders. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't – the, the reason you would do that is because, well, he's familiar with the Southeast. It would be an uptick in resources, which I don't know if Mississippi State's that big of a jump from Colorado. And also Colorado's recruiting is not great right now, uh, and neither is their football team. So I don't know if Dion gets much of a thought, but he's a guy you have to at least be aware of um, in the realm of college football and oh who else from Mississippi State um I've already mentioned Dan Mullen Dan Mullen doesn't have a coaching job anywhere you could retread that ground
2: and and Dan Mullen has said before how much he loves Mississippi State and the community there and that if he were ever to want to get back into things that Mississippi State's a place that he would go so absolutely uh so now here's my thought on this and I could be dead wrong especially for Texas A&M um Obviously, they you know it came out that the decision had already been made before the game this weekend, but everybody's like, "It's so weird that you'd fire your coach after you have a blowout victory. But they had already made the decision. That makes me wonder if a and m already has, yeah, what's some, their plan? They've already got a plan in place because it's like it doesn't matter what you do this weekend. The plan is in place. the wheels are in motion. We're gonna go ahead and do it now. So there's that. I think the Mississippi State deal was we just got to make this call. It's just it's not working. It it was an impossible situation. We got to make it. That also makes me wonder how long is Arkansas going to sit on Pittman because the last thing you want to do is wait, and now you've already got two that are in motion. There's a very real possibility that Florida makes a move with Napier. You don't want to be sitting there caught with your pants down and then, like, okay, well, now we got to make a move. Well, guess what? Three people have already made the move and already have the wheels in motion for a replacement. And now you're behind the times. So, I I would be shocked if Pittman is there
1: past much much longer. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let me read a couple names to y'all. And some of these names have been guys that you've mentioned, but let's see if there's anybody else on these lists that. Uh, that you guys think have any strong opinions about or anything. These come from Athlon Sports. Every time there's a coach fight, I go to Athlon Sports. They always have a pretty good list to get thrown up there. We'll start with uh, the Mississippi State job. Glenn Schulman, uh, the co-defensive coordinator at Georgia, is an, a name on this list. Willie Fritz, the Tulane head coach. He was mentioned yeah. a few
3: times last year. Willie Fritz is a, is a big name for sure.
1: Uh, Jeff Lebby, the Oklahoma offensive coordinator. You got Rhett Lashley uh, listed on there. Jamie Chadwell also listed on there as some of the names that are listed as the uh, for Mississippi State. Any any other names besides ones that you've thrown out there that, that stand out to you from for Mississippi State? Rhett
3: Lashley's interesting. Um, I I know that he's been successful where he's gone. I know SMU I don't know what SMU's record is this year. I I know they're they've not been, like, like been, world beating, they've but they've been, been good. good. Um, I think that would be interesting. I think Rhett Lashley is a guy who's going to be a head coach uh, at a major conference at some point. If they want to go ahead and jump on that for him, then I'd say go for it.
1: Uh, a name that I, I tossed out a little bit earlier in the in the office, um, and it's off the wall. I have no credible uh, you know sources here. This is just an I I go through and I look, and I, I love college football so much. This is a name that I, you know, it is just who I, I think would be a good fit there. Toledo's head coach Jason Candle, uh, I think, would be a, a fine uh, a fine pick for Mississippi State. Now, is he a flashy hire? No. Is he a guy that can win you football games? It, 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 it you know it re- realistically it could go to a, a point where it could be a you know a, a situation where he's a guy that's a pretty decent uh, Group of Five coach. But it may not translate to the to the the uh, upper comfort the uh, the the Power Five. But I, I think that you look at his track record at at Toledo. He's won there. Uh, he, yeah, he has won there. Uh, he's on a nine and one season right now. He's sixty three and thirty three overall in his years at Toledo. Uh, not the you know not the f- best of records, but nine and one this year. Six and zero in MAC play this year. Uh, that's a name that I, I was looking at and maybe. Uh, that, that's who I would uh, would target there if I was the, the, the Mississippi State AD. Uh, the Texas a m the list, a uh, couple of names you would, that have been thrown out for Texas A&M here from Athlon Sports again. Deion Sanders is a guy that uh, has been thrown out there um, for a name there, a wild card name, Rhett Lashley, Jimmy Chadwell as well. Uh, those are in the category of wild card slash long shots for the job. Here's the other rest of the list: Jeff Trailer, the head coach at UTSA. He's been a name that's been picking up, uh, picking up uh, momentum here in the coaching ranks. Lance Leopold, the head coach at Kansas. Dan Lanning at Oregon. Uh, Chris Kleiman, the Kansas State head coach, has been yeah. picking up Lane uh, names. Lane Kiffin, Mike Elko, uh, also name. And then here is the name. I also threw out another name uh, for to Brand at lunch today during for the Texas A&M job, and I I. This was me doing my research. I didn't look at this article. This was me doing research, looking at it, who, would be, who, who I would think could, could move there, who would could be a good fit. And his name has showed up at the top of this list. That's Washington head coach Kalen DeBoer. Yep. is a name that uh that could be a list on, on the short list for yeah. for Texas A and M. I think that would be a great hire. Uh you, you look what he's done. You look what he did at, at Fresno State. He had some winning seasons at Fresno State, moved up to Washington, has had some some winnings, uh has some, had some good seasons. The thing is is Brant, you brought this up at lunch though. How does he look without Michael Penix up there? That's yeah. that would be a really, really big question. I think that'd be a question that I think Texas A and M boosters would want answered too is what does what what does he look like without that star game-breaking quarterback
3: yeah uh, when, when when you're the, fresh the as, when you're fresh as a head coach and you only, and you have success with this game breaker like we like we've call it like we've been calling him it, it, he's he's an incredible player but you're winning because you have that incredible player can you continue to get incredible players and make those players better uh, michael Penix is the reason washington's winning football games can you continue to win football games Without him, that's the question, and that's why I think that yeah, I I like DeBoer a lot. I think he's a good coach, and I, I think Washington is so, will desperately want to hold on to him. But I, I'm curious if he could do it at A and M without a guy like Michael Penix, and uh, the guys like Michael Penix do not grow on trees.
2: Yeah. Is is he is he Gene Chizik without Cam Newton? Right. Is he yeah. Ed Orgeron without Joe Burrow?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is he is he Jimbo Fisher without Kellen Mond or or more more accurately Jameis Winston? I was gonna say Jameis Winston. Yeah. yeah i to say, Kellen, Kellen Mond was never that great, but they did go nine and one in 2020. So I gotta yeah. get to him.
1: Looking at his coaching record, he uh, he coached in the lower in the NAIA for several years at Sioux Falls was 67 and three at that level. That's solid. Moved up to Fresno State, went three and three his first year, then nine and three his second year before getting hired at Washington. And then two years at Washington, he has had uh, Michael Penix 11 and two, and so far 10 and zero right now between those two uh, but that that's just the name that I came up with and it, it apparently it, it's a name that other people have come up with as well yeah.
3: uh, if he if he makes know. a playoff spot with Washington do you think there's any chance he moves I don't know it, it, it would a question. it would be tough because Washington's in a really good spot they're about to join a power they're about to join the Big Ten that's that's
1: Are you calling the Pac-12 not a power five conference
3: well I well not anymore yeah um but I, I mean you're on the coast the only team you're really competing with for the recruits in that area, I guess would be Oregon, but I mean, Wash. You can dip into California there on the West Coast. You can, uh, you. That's yeah, a decent area. You've got Seattle in the middle of your state. That's a heavily populated area. That's where they're located. Yeah, absolutely. So like, kids would not have to go very far to find you. Um, I don't know. I think that I think that the job is easier at Washington than it would be at Texas A and M. But I think the resources are more at A and M than they are at Washington.
1: And that's a look around the SEC as well as a look at the two head coaching openings in the SEC right now at Mississippi State and Texas A&M. Time will tell who gets hired down there. Well, I'm sure we will talk a lot more about those coaching searches as they roll along uh, through this offseason. Right now, we'll take our next break of the show. When we come back, it's best and worst of the weekend time right after this. (laughs)
0: have your attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show Hi, my name is Hi. my name is, Hi. My, name is Hi. my name is sports call on tiger
3: 95.9 i'm jeff Woodaker jr former auburn tigers defensive tackle and national champion
0: and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9
1: Welcome back to this Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, as well as our podcast presented by Coca-Cola.
3: It's always fun to me whenever... Uh,
1: the website, film
3: Thank you. Uh, it's always funny... Our app.
1: Tiger Finish, please. All right, you're clear.
3: All right. It's always fun to me when I don't know that a microphone is turned on and I say something and I'm just like, it's not my microphone that's turned on. In this yeah. case, it was yours, Brooks. But I said something as we were coming back, and I just wonder if you could hear it uh, over the air. Uh, probably, well, I don't know. Probably I, not unless had, you're really looking for it. But I'm gonna when I'm editing the podcast later tonight. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna look for it. Yeah, I'm gonna look for it. Uh,
1: what looking
3: time at
1: Five thirty four Central Standard Time. More. We've we've no <laughs> we're, we're no longer in daylight time. I'm gonna
3: clap sync real quick. Three, yeah. two, one.
1: Oh. All right, good. <laughs> Uh, Auburn's 38 point margin of victory is the most over an SEC opponent since the 2019 Arkansas game which was a 41 point margin 51 to 10 <laughs> Auburn beat Arkansas that Auburn year. Auburn
3: just unless it's just a really bad year, just takes Arkansas to the woodshed. They do. Just routinely. 48 to 10. And especially
2: uh, the uh, success that Auburn has had at Arkansas yeah. has been incredible. I yeah. mean, it's been lopsided over there in Vietnam. <laughs>
3: So here's the thing. I've always heard that Fayetteville is like the worst SEC town, and there's nothing in Arkansas. It's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. That kind of thing about Fayetteville, my entire life. This year, I swear, so many people went to Fayetteville, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is the prettiest drive ever," and like, "This is one of the nicest towns." People have really switched up on Fayetteville this year. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I've never been, so I can't speak to it. I,
2: I have never, I have never been inside Fayetteville. Arkansas but I have been on the interstate that runs nearby and I mean it's very beautiful mountainous uh area I mean it, it's it's very cool um but yeah I mean it, it's a pretty area there but I mean it's still Arkansas
1: Also Auburn <laughs> Sorry
2: for any Ar- Arkansans out there
1: uh to pile on the last time Auburn scored 21 points in two different quarters against an SEC opponent was 2020 versus LSU So Auburn's offense Came alive on Saturday, Auburn as a team came alive on Saturday. Uh, that big forty-eight to ten win over Arkansas. We've been talking about it all game or all day. Uh, this is not a game. This is for real. Uh, but we've been talking about it all day, and we've now gotten to the point of the show where I'm sure something of this game will be mentioned in our best and worst of the weekend.
0: Now, time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst.
1: No. No! No! Of
3: the weekend,
1: best and worst of the weekend. Who wants to go first today?
3: Uh, I have I have one for both, so we can start. All right. I usually whatever.
1: start with Tom. Let's start with Brant today. Which okay. which way would you like? I, I to go gotta first? I gotta
3: pull my stat up for. All right. For th- then this good. I, I I would rather start with best because okay. I feel like my best is not as strong as my worst. Okay. Uh, over the weekend, it was discovered that uh, Arkansas law school gives okay. out stickers that say "Woo Pig Sue Me." and i saw that on saturday and it made me laugh really hard and uh, i'm pretty sure that was the last thing i looked at before i went to sleep on saturday i was laying in my bed i was looking at my phone that's a good way to. so saw a sticker that says woo pig sue me (laughs) and i think i laughed really hard and then went to sleep that's so that's my best of the weekend
1: that is phenomenal stuff and you know it's a it you wonder who came up with it and why? And I don't know when it came when they came up with the sticker, but it was not soon enough.
3: Right, because that yeah. that's a that's yeah a, that's, that's a gold. Great, great that's absolute stuff. gold.
1: All right, would you like to continue and go be- worst already, or oh, would you I, like to? Uh, I
3: I have my worst ready.
1: If, okay, I,
2: I'm gonna. I'm I, if I could get this stat to put my computer, hurry up.
1: I'll, <laughs> like, I'll, guys, technology. I'll go or no? What? You want to go? Yeah. So for it. best my, weekend. My
2: my best of the weekend was the, the performance that Jaden Daniels had for LSU. Okay. I don't know that if we're gonna hear about that later on when we do player of the week. We are.
3: Okay. Well, cool. Go ahead. That'd Go ahead. Good. Go ahead. That's not until like Thursday at least.
2: Yeah. Uh, passing three hundred and seventy two yards and three touchdowns. And oh yeah, he also rushed for two hundred and thirty four yards and two touchdowns. Good googly moogly. What a game.
3: Yeah, I, I I mean
2: that's dumb. That that is
3: phenomenal stuff. <laughs> Six hundred yards and five touchdowns by yourself.
2: Yeah, that that's just insane. Absolute insanity. Um, I, like I said, I I love Auburn, but I I'll call it what I call it. You know, last week Milroe really impressed me. Yeah, uh, for Alabama this week, Jaden Daniels. Goodness gracious, that that stat line is is. Just ridiculous, and that's why he's a Heisman Trophy candidate right now. Because anybody that can do that, and I don't care if it was against Florida or who it was against, anytime you can throw for him. he was he almost became the first person in college football history to go 400 and 200 in yeah. a game. Is I mean that's that's how unprecedented what he did uh, is if he had gotten a few more yards, he would have been the first ever.
3: Well, that's I, I'll, crazy. I'll go ahead and tell you this. He is the first person ever to go 350 and 200. That's, oh, he is. That's he, never happened before.
2: Okay. So, three, okay. See, and I just saw the four. I saw 400, 200 being the mark. But so, three, first ever yeah. with 350 and 200. Yep. Well, there you go. Again, that's how unprecedented what Jaden Daniels did to Florida was. So,
1: that was my best of the weekend. My best of the weekend, I could just say the entire weekend because I got to spend it with family and friends at home. But my best of the weekend. Friday afternoon, I drive down. Um, I stop and get my hair cut uh, at at my uh, at my barber that I've been going to for 28 years and will not change until <laughs> he's done cutting hair forever. Um, uh, so I, I get out of there. We always the, the the Beauregard crew. We if it's a road game, we always have we always eat somewhere before the game. Well, they were already in Gulf Shores getting ready for they they had gotten there early they they were spending the weekend down there and they were already getting to the restaurant that they they had picked out and so i said y'all go ahead and eat without me i'll find something to eat um you know i'm from down here i can fi- find i can i know places i know some places i can eat so i start driving and i had there was a uh, I, I got down to the intersection um and i take a right and there is a shed Behind a gas station that has a, a picture of a pig on it, and it says down south barbecue and I'm like interesting i had I had looked it up and I said i'd like I don't know if I've ever heard of this place, so I pull up there and it's literally a shed on the side of the road, and so automatically you got to be thinking, all right, this could be some good barbecue if it's just in you know it, it this looks like a, a rundown oh, yeah. just like somebody plopped this thing on the side of the road usually the best I walk up there. I order a smoked brisket plate with mac and cheese and, and mustard potato salad. They had two types of potato salad on the menu. They had horseradish potato salad. They had mustard potato salad. So I order that. I get it. Smells amazing. I'm like, all right, this, you know, And but to me, all barbecue smells amazing when you first get it. it it's You start eating it. When I tell you that was some of the best brisket that I've ever had, <laughs> that is some of the best brisket I've ever had. Down South Barbecue, not a sponsor. They're not, they're in Foley. I think they're Oh, technically in between Foley and Gulf Shores. I don't know what their official address is. But if you're going to the beach, I highly recommend finding Down South Barbecue. It is behind the gas station. There's a Shell station uh, on the way down. You, it's behind it. But it is just absolutely amazing. I almost got out of my car and went back up to the window because they advertised homemade cobbler. And I almost <laughs> went and got that, but then a couple more cars had pulled up. And I'm like, I'm I, I gotta get to the stadium. Scared. I can't sit here and, and get and, and eat cobbler. I gotta I gotta go. But that is some dang good barbecue if, if you're going to the beach. And it's just, man, whoo. I, I thought about that for the rest of the weekend. So that was my <laughs> best of the weekend. Brent, your worst.
3: My worst of the weekend. We're going to go out to the West Coast. Washington and Utah, uh, na, na, late in na, the na, third quarter.
1: Na, na, na. Na, 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 na. I see what you're doing.
3: Uh, <laughs> late in the third quarter, Alfonso Tuputala, I think is how you say his last name, Alfonso Tuputala, uh, caught an interception, had a clear path to the end zone, uh, yeah. and dropped the ball before he got into the end zone in celebration. <laughs> Quite literally, and, the, the two-yard line, correct? D- n- nah, like The post says the one-yard line. When you look at the pictures, the ball is falling down at the two-yard line. You go back and look at the video. He dropped that thing at the three. Just as like as soon as he crosses the five, he begins to celebrate as though he has crossed into the end zone. Worst thing you can do. And it is just, it it was an epidemic for a little while. It is 2023, the year of our Lord. And I, I don't understand how we're still doing this in modern college football. It's the dumbest possible mistake that you can make Mm -hmm. and people like people did it all at the same time. And everyone collectively realized, Hey, this is the dumbest thing ever. Let's stop doing it. And now Alfonso who, you know, not to cast aspersions on the kid or anything. I don't know him. I haven't watched him at all this year. If he's playing at Washington, I'm sure he's a great football player, but just, just dumb, just dumb. We gotta, we gotta stop doing that. We stopped doing that. And now we're doing it again, and it needs to not happen anymore. Stop it. Stop it. Get some help. <laughs> yeah, stop it. Score, score, and then celebrate. And look, if you if you score a pick six in a close game, that would have made it, uh, I think, 30, 30-something to 40. And so it like, w- would have made it a two-possession game and a game that was very close at that moment. You know, celebrate. Go yes. nuts. Show yourself. Dance on the sideline. Do whatever, <laughs> because scoring touchdowns is incredibly difficult and even more so when you're a defensive player. So I have no problem with celebrating. I have no problem with, like, hey, look at me. I'm the guy. Because you did something that's really tough to do. So celebrate. But, dude, score the touchdown first. Make just, sure you are across that line. score. And especially, I mean, this is probably the furthest away from the end zone we've ever seen anybody do this. I mean, like I said, the kid acted like he had crossed into the end zone the second he crossed the five. So it was just just Alfonso Tupata. Tupatoa, I think. I don't know. Hi, sorry. But kid, sure you're a great football player, but do better. Tom? Oh
2: man. Uh, I, there's not a lot, but uh man, that the the late hit out of bounds in, against Auburn. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, that's bad. Yeah. Um I I hate I hate any time that I see uh a hit like that against Auburn, whether, you know, I definitely don't like to see Auburn get lit up like that legally, just because I don't like to see Auburn on the bad side of highlight films. But the fact was he was three yards out of bounds and just absolutely got rocked. Fortunately, you know, it was called as unsportsmanlike and and it was confirmed uh, target. Yeah. yeah. Uh so that was bad. The thing that I didn't like is the arkansas some of the twitter like barstool arkansas and some of these others celebrating that
1: Mm.
2: putting here comes the boom and hit stick and all this kind of stuff and it's like okay look i get it you're getting the absolute crap beat out of you by auburn right now but okay find something else to celebrate not your player like T- literally, it looked like he was trying to injure a kid out of bounds and got ejected. That's not something that you celebrate. But Arkansas was celebrating it on Twitter like they had done something special. It's like, uh, you hit a defenseless guy out of bounds. Mm. Congratulations. Yeah. Who was that the guy hit? That was.
3: It was. Was it Jay Fair? Jay- yeah. I think it was Jay Fair.
2: Jaden Johnson was the defender.
3: Of- I. I will say I saw a lot of people up in arms about this, and I think justifiably so. I did not think it was targeting. I thought that the hit was shoulder to chest. Now hit the crap out of him and hit the crap out of him way late. Um, definitely not a clean play. Um, but yeah, the the way that it was being celebrated was interesting for sure.
1: Tom, you said earlier you like you like Christmas, right? Love Christmas, Brant. You said you like. Uh, I didn't. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not putting words in your mouth. Uh, but Brant, do you like Christmas? I do love Christmas. You know who else likes Christmas? Tell me. The Arkansas football team. My worst of the weekend. <laughs>
3: yep, yep, I know exactly what this
1: is. My worst of the weekend is the video that came out. And there was there was different reports that if it was at a different game or if it was the Auburn game, Sam Pittman was asked about it today. And so it was definitely this, this game. But the fact that you're at halftime and a video comes out of your locker room at halftime that, you know, instead of going over game plan, how are we going to get back into this one, whatever... You're watching the Christmas classic, The Polar Express, (laughs) starring Tom Hanks, which is a phenomenal, like one of my favorite actors. It's a great film. I watch it every single Christmas. But I don't know if if the time or nor place to be watching it is halftime of a football game that you are currently trailing. Let's check the notes here. Uh, At the half, they were trailing 27 to 3. Yeah. And your only offense came on a 39-yard field goal. I don't know if that's the time or the place to be watching the Polar Express, although it's magical. And I love watching it with drinking hot cocoa because it makes me feel like I'm there. But halftime of a football game in the middle of November,
3: not the place. How, how, that is one of those kids that that came out after the game and it's one of those, well, how in the world did this happen? How did, how did we get here? Why are there TVs
1: in there that can be turned?
3: Yeah. Why, why do those kids have any control over, or or not even, Um, not um, even the kids, like what, how does that TV have access to playing the polar Express
1: unless that is the doubles as their like normal everyday locker room like yeah it, it, but I, why are there why why are you allowed to touch the TVs during the yeah of I saw game?
3: somewhere that that's not Arkansas's main locker room that's like their their walk-on area or their red shirt area something to that effect but either way it's attached to their main locker room not really a part of it but uh very interesting
1: so that is my worst of the weekend is uh pay attention to football you're 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 out (laughs) there
3: pay attention to football
1: (laughs) we're not sitting here watching the polar express during sports call we're watching golf so we know what to talk about even though we don't really talk about golf here uh as much except around the majors that is best and worst of the weekend. Uh, and if you have them, send them to us on Twitter, at SportsCallAU. Before we get out of here, let's wrap things up with a Nightly TV Guide, shall we?
0: Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide.
1: Nightly TV Guide brought to my friends are at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Make sure you go by buy TK's Convenience Stores. Pick up a variety pack for your uh, parties, especially this weekend. A lot of tailgates going on. For Auburn and New Mexico State, so uh, make sure you pick those up for your football tailgates this weekend. Uh, movie picks for you tonight—we got three for you. Starting at six o'clock on Disney Channel, your movie, your family pick for the evening: Moana, the uh, Disney classic. Make oh, way. I guess it's classic. Moana. Yep, that's how it goes. <laughs> that is how it goes.
3: It's a good movie. Brent, cut that. It's a good for movie. Us. Dwayne Johnson is in it. Uh, no, absolutely not cutting that.
1: No, no, not cut it from the podcast. I need to cut it cut as, a, oh, okay, as okay. a. As a hut. key.
3: Okay. Make
1: uh, way. Thor, 7 o'clock on FX, is your Marvel pick for the evening. Thor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thor the musical,
3: actually. Uh, well, Natalie Portman's in it, and she's been in some musicals. She has been.
1: Uh, and then your Christmas movie pick for the evening. If you want to get to the Christmas mood, 7 o'clock on TNT, A Christmas Story. One of my favorite oh, movies. Oh, that's already coming on. Yeah, TNT, 7 o'clock, A Christmas Story. no. I grew up with a
3: kid who looked exactly like Ralphie. No, really? Really? Hold yeah.
1: on. No, 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 no.
2: No, 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 no. No, you don't like it. No, no.
3: I, <laughs> Tom I, is no longer Christmas. No, I'm also with it, but also, no. Tom, you did say earlier that you started celebrating yeah. Christmas. No,
2: no, no. I, no, I know. <laughs> I, I did. no Here's what. Here's what I'm. Here's what
3: this rules. All right, here's what. Explain
2: m- yourself. That is supposed to only come on on Christmas Eve. Okay. That you play the twenty-four hours of a Christmas story on I Christmas see. Eve.
1: I, I see what well, that's you TV don't yes. play
2: a Christmas story this early. No, that's <laughs> that's Christmas Eve. Play National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. They hey, do. banger they of a all. movie.
3: Let's go. Let's go with that. That is appointment viewing.
2: Christmas Story. No, not now. That's but, that's the twenty-four hour on Christmas <laughs> Eve thing that you do. No, what are you doing, TNT? This tally? might be
3: the most mad Th- I've ever seen. Tally. This,
2: this, this I, is I, the most he's ever had
1: a reaction to the tile TV. It guy. Makes,
2: yeah, that, that is like a huge family tradition with us. And my sister, that is like, if you were to go to my sister and go, "Hey, what's your favorite movie? Christmas Story?" She okay. has actually stayed a night in the Christmas Story house wow. up oh, in that's Cleveland. Cool. Well, she, like, she is obsessed with that movie.
1: With that, that is our nightly TV guy Brock reference Friends of White call Hard Seltzer and that's going to end our show today. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Brant. I'm Brooks. Ryan, Thank you Ryan, for having me. Ryan will be back tomorrow. Until then, behave.